99 cents. You heard me. Canada's number one source for magic singles has 99 cents shipping on all orders across Canada. Order online at facetofacegames.com. Brought to you by ManorDeprived.com, Canada's number one resource for the latest Magic the Gathering strategy, decks, articles, comics, videos, and podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 16 of Crazy Talk. This is KYT and all four of us that are here. Bam! Medina, Alex, and of course everyone's favorite podcaster, Frank. How's it going guys? Pretty good. <laughs> so, John uh, was not uh, available last week, so uh, I thought it was a perfect time uh, for his turn to do the five. So we're going to start yeah. with the five. And John, you better be careful, eh? Because if you if you screw this up, along with your constant absenteeism, might have to <laughs> might have to might get fired. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah you if, if you don't shape up, there's no way that. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna keep you around. <laughs> so, are you ready, John? I think so. I think so. Question one: How did you get into Legacy? Um. Well, the place where I played Magic, where I started playing Magic, was it's a little uh, card shop in Vermont, and it wasn't really even a card shop. It was kind of like it was a sports memorabilia shop. And uh, they had, like, a big box of, like, common and uncommons and then packs. But this is where the Magic tournaments were held. So these guys, they didn't really play a lot of Type 2. They all played Legacy and Extended. So every week we would have two nights of Legacy, or every uh, every month we would have two weeks of Legacy and then, like, one week of Extended or Standard. And... um so it wasn't like it was more focused on legacy. So that's kind of how I started. I started playing standard because all I had was new Ooh. cards. And yeah, I know it's boring, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the thing is, is I feel like I told the story like a hundred times. So even I'm bored while I'm listening to myself say it. I'm just like, yeah. That's why it's so boring. It's like people are more interesting when they feel and you, you hear that they're enthusiastic and they're interested in what they're saying, you know? Yeah, like Tom Ma. Tom Ma last episode was like, he was all enthusiastic. I was like, man, I like this guy. Tom Ma's like the KYT on crack. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, that's what happened, man. I started playing Legacy at this little shop because that's what they played. So, I traded a bunch of crap and I got some Tropical Islands and some Nimble Mongies. And uh, started beating some face with some Blue-Green Threshold. Whoa. What? What? And, yeah. and yet you didn't you didn't know who the threshold guy we we had on was. No, 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 no. Don't even go there because that guy he he added red to the deck, which which was garbage. Okay, and and then he it was he didn't even KYT. Don't even start with me because he didn't. Who even, is this guy? Listen, <laughs> he didn't even make the threshold deck. You get him on the cast, okay? And I'm listening to him and. 
I mean, the first part of that cast is miserable, by the way. Okay? Just like <laughs> I said it would be. Anyways. I mean, no offense, dude. If you're listening, no offense. But here's the thing. Okay? He didn't even make the deck. You were like, we're going to get the guy who made Canadian Threshold. I don't like that deck. Okay? And so I was like, oh, man, sounds miserable. And um, so... Good question. If it was called American Threshold, would you like the deck? America! <laughs> <laughs> so... So yeah, so this guy no, didn't, no racism tonight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this guy didn't even make the deck. It was a friend of his made the deck, and he ended up playing it. So I'm just like, what is this guy even doing on? He didn't even make the deck. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So he added. They added red. I didn't like the red. I like the blue green. It was it was with the werebears, the mongoose, and uh, spell snares. Yeah, that kind of deck. It was awesome. What, the mongoose, isn't that the creature type of LSV's followers? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they call the, the fans in his fan club, mongoose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know you know why we had the guy? Because he won a tournament, man. Maybe maybe one day he'll get, to get, he'll get that <laughs> feeling, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe one day I'll win an Xbox playing, you know, Magic, and then I can be regarded as a legacy superstar. Exactly, <laughs> man. Well, There's hope for everyone. <laughs> yeah, like Medina, I heard you top eight at that nine person tournament once. <laughs> I, did. I did. You know, eighth place. It was nice. Yeah, one guy had to leave early, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't wait to get the. I can't wait till we throw down, Alex, on the on the card table. Oh yeah, you're, man! You're gonna be surprised, man. You're gonna be surprised. Yeah, I'm gonna be surprised by the power of your force. Yeah, the force <laughs> is strong with this one. <laughs> it's pretty destructive too. Oh, nice one! High five! <laughs> Denied. Oh man. <laughs> Next question, for the love of God. <laughs> okay, next question. Question two. I'm always surprised to hear, like, John's story, the, the main thing I, I'm always surprised is when I hear about a store who was more uh, popular in Legacy than Type 2. That's that's not something I see a lot. Um, question two. What's your favorite magic card? Favorite magic card? And why? You would think that I would have prepared for these questions, but I didn't. Um, That's because we ambushed you, like just like you guys ambushed me. <laughs> <laughs> you were prepared. <laughs> oh, oh man, it's, but so, it's funny because John normally prepares for like everything. You know, he's like he's like anally retentive or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Karn, right? <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. I'm gonna have to say like probably one of my favorite magic cards is. Uh, I'm just going to say one of my favorite magic cards is probably Polymorph. Oh, oh of course. <laughs> I love that card. Like, I have an unhealthy love for the card Polymorph. And I think it started when I was uh, when I was first starting to play this game. And this one guy, his name was Chris Rinquist, and he was, like, one of the best players in, in his little shop, in the shop of ten people or whatever. So he used to always come with his own brews. He had this stupid... Uh, uh, owl deck, I don't know, what's that owl from like Kamigawa block, it's like Nusim, what is it something, some stupid owl that if you have like four more cards <laughs> in your hand then you get dealt damage, right 
So his his deck was like bounce everything to your hand. Oh yeah, that deck. Oh, uh, yeah, howling, how uh, like owling mine, whatever. It was ebony owl Netsuke or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the artifact. So he built these kind of decks, right? So one day <laughs> he came with a polymorph darksteel colossus deck, and I thought it was the most awesome thing that I had ever seen. He's just like polymorph, and I'm like thinking in my head, why would he kill his own creature? I don't get it. Like, this is, he doesn't have many creatures it is. All he has is these tokens, and then he kills it? I'm like, this guy is not very good. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, reveal, 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 Dark Steel Colossus. And I was like, oh! <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm so dead. <laughs> so, so I think, like, that just, like, burned in my head. And so ever since that happened, if I could ever make a Polymorph deck work in any format, then I would play it. I even played it in Legacy once. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, we all know how you love killing your own creatures, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I know how the night's going to go now. I just... <laughs> That's... Uh, Next question. What do you want to be known for in the magic community, and why should we care? <laughs> oh, man. I don't... Uh... I never really thought about, like, what I wanted to be known for. I just started talking, and then, <laughs> like, I get known for a bunch of different things, you know? Um, but, like, if, sure? I can, if I could convince people about of one thing about me, it's that I'm not really who I seem to be, like, on Twitter and, like, in this, this little, uh, the persona that most people have of me, this picture. Um, I'm not that dude. I'm pretty, I'm actually pretty down to earth. And, uh, you know, pretty laid back. So I guess I want to be known for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All right, next question, QIT. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. If you got question so what four. you're saying is you're not as bad as you seem, is, is that it? <laughs> no, what he's saying is that he wants to not, he wants to be known for who he really is, not for his public persona that he portrays to the world. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Which exactly. seems a little counterintuitive, you'd think. Like, you'd think you would portray yourself as who you want to be seen as, rather than portray yourself as like, no, don't see me how I'm showing myself, guys. It's, I'm actually really down to earth and chill, okay? It's, it's kind of <laughs> like, if you, have you ever ridden on a water slide? Have you ever done that? Oh my god, you're doing analogies no, now? No, no, no. This is good. We're careful, careful. Barriers to the be careful, this is my <laughs> turf here, John. So like, Tread carefully. So, like, when you get on the water slide, you're like, oh, man, this seems like such a great idea, right? But then, like, once you start going down that water slide, there's no way to stop. You can't, like, grab the edges because when you go reach out, it's just water. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. This is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, basically it's a very slippery slope is what you're saying. So, yeah, so when I first started in this, uh, I think people started to – kind of give me this persona of this BAMF or this legit guy. And, like, I just kind of ran with it because it was fun for a minute. But then, like, I couldn't stop it. Like, people were – they already see me that way. So, like, if I give them something different, then they're just kind of like, oh, Medina's weird today. Yeah, like, it's if you clone yourself, right? And you you stop feeding yourself, but you feed the clone. The clone's eventually going to get bigger than you, right? Yeah, that's a good. That's a good analogy, bro. But seriously, when I, you know, when I get on a slide or whatever a water slide, I'm actually at the beginning when I'm, I think if I go on the slide because it looks a little slippery and like dangerous. You know, it looks like I'm not going to be able to stop once I go down. 
So I consider, you know, before going on the slide. Well, obviously, you have more, you know, foresight than I do. I just was like, yeah, a water slide. That's awesome. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, now we're in it. Now we're here. What do we do now? You know, we just have this battle between evil Medina and good Medina, you know, back and forth, back and forth all day long. <laughs> oh, man. Question four. If you got into a bar friend, you could pick one Patrick member Chapin. of the magic team. No. Patrick Chapin, no. <laughs> no need to think about this one. All right. That guy is a bamf, dude. I mean, come on. Have you ever seen that guy in public? He's super tall. And, he is tall. You know, he's uh, he can be intimidating. He doesn't intimidate me. You don't intimidate me, Pat, but I would want you to have my back in a bar fight for sure. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I, I just didn't expect that answer. Who'd you expect? I don't know. Some. Like, well, not 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 Mark's son, that's for sure. But man, Unless he was bringing the tong with him. <laughs> <laughs> unless he was bringing an Asian gang. <laughs> of Kung Fu Ninjas and Bruce Lee, then maybe. <laughs> oh, man, I think we discussed, like, random martial artists last episode, John. Yeah, I know, because it was, like, Asian, it was, like, the Asian hour. Yeah, yeah, they outnumbered <laughs> us, because you were, weren't there. I know, I listened, I heard the whole thing. <laughs> well, John, question number five, what's the craziest thing you've ever done. <laughs> I always love it when Alex does that. Because <laughs> whenever I, I don't have to do it, you know, and he's doing it, I just laugh every time. <laughs> um, craziest thing I've ever done. I actually Whoa. can't I actually can't say because it would incriminate family members. Um, <laughs> but I did tell the story one time at dinner. And anybody listening to this knows when I say crossbow they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> why don't you tell us, instead of telling us the craziest thing you've ever done, why don't you tell us a hypothetical story about a person, let's call him Bond. And let's Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I see, what you, I see what you're doing here, Alex. I, doing here. Um, I will tell you a, um, a semi-crazy thing that I did once. No, um, not good enough. No, I'm not going to tell you that story, man. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I will say, though, after I did tell the guys at dinner, they, uh, next day, they were trying to trade for as many archers and people holding, like, bow and arrows as they could so they could troll me with all these archer cards. <laughs> that guy or whatever. That guy, because power and toughness are equal to the number of elves you control. Yeah, that would, that would have been a good one. So, uh, semi-crazy thing, um, let's see, I, I had just moved to Vermont, uh, from, from California, and I was a little bit of a wild man back then, so I was looking to hook up with chicks, right? But the problem is, is that in Vermont, there's really not a lot of hot chicks. So, <laughs> it, it's Vermont, it's like in the mountains. I mean, if you want like good skiing or like hiking or creeks, that's a good place. Hot chicks, not so much. So what I was doing was I was, like, just uh, on the Internet. Back then, like, Face the Jury was, like, big back then or whatever. I think it was Face the Jury and something else, MSN or whatever. So I was just on the Face the Jury? Yeah, you don't know, you remember that? I don't think I do. Oh, man. We're Canadian, man. Us, we don't get that shit. Oh, uh, maybe it's... All of us were born in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, the Internet wasn't even <laughs> around in the 70s, bro. No <laughs> What's face the jury? The face the jury, check this out, is where like <laughs> chicks would post their picture 
or pictures, oh. and then like people would vote them. Oh, and then, like, I know hot or not. That, that's what it's kinda, like, that's where hot or not came from. Okay, I think face the jury is such a funny name, yeah, man. Face like, the jury. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> I was like on these internet websites looking for chicks to hook up with, and uh, <laughs> uh, I found like I found this chick in New York. Ooh. Okay. And we were talking, and uh, she was cool, so I'm like, yeah, let's hang out, right? So, like, I drive from Vermont to Troy, New York, okay? Which I have no idea what, like, what anything is, because I had just moved out there. So I don't know, like, I didn't know, like, I had to look it up on MapQuest, like, how far it was and if I wanted to drive that far. (laughs) And so, like, it was a Friday night. Me and my buddy Joe, we got off work, and, like, the thing we used to do on Friday night is we would go to karaoke at the bar, and uh, we would sing karaoke all night, and Joe would get plastered. And I don't drink, so I would just, like, laugh at him um, and be the designated driver. So, like, I told Joe, I go, hey, dude, here's the deal, man. Uh, I'm going to go pick up this chick, and then I'll be back, and we'll do karaoke. And he's like, all right, deal. So <laughs> I go freaking drive two hours. Okay? I think I even left work early or something. Cause, like, oh, my God. Because we wanted time to karaoke, right? And it was just like, you know, I couldn't go two hours and two hours back and not have time to karaoke. Quick pause. So, just in, I just want to say one comment. Jonathan yeah. Medina, you are my hero. That is all. Go on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so we drive, or I drive. I drive two hours to Troy, New York. Now, wow. I don't know. if you ever been? Have you ever been to Troy, New York, or even heard of it? I've heard I've of it never, now. I've never been horny enough, like, to care, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so Troy, New York is a ghetto. Okay? So yeah. I didn't know that. So, like, I'm rolling in there, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get shot. <laughs> so, so, like, I get there, and, like, I get to this chick's house, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, like, uh, like, get off to knock on the door, and I'm just like, oh man, like, freaking, totally gonna get jumped right now. Like, I could just feel it, you know. So I'm just like, you could have turned away, you know. (laughs) Dude, if I turned away, I would never forgive myself because then I would be running. You know what I mean? And I can't run, so I'm just sitting there like pumping myself up. I'm just like, dude, someone comes at me. I'm just gonna give it all I got, you know. (laughs) Give it all I got. So I'm just like pumping myself. You know, when your adrenaline gets going. It's yeah. just like you're like clenching like back and forth with your fist. So like I'm waiting, I'm like pumping myself up. I'm just like ring the doorbell. Nobody's coming. It's, it feels like it's, it feels like it's like an hour and a half, and I'm like, dude, like it, it just dawns on me now. I'm just like, what if there is no girl? What if these, these <laughs> freaking gangsters just open this door, beating oh, the crap out of me and mug me, right? And I'm just like. Then in my head, I start convincing myself that this is what's going to happen. You know, I'm just like, oh man, these guys are going to open this door and it's going to be on and I'm not going to, I'm not going to survive the night. So like, I'm just like pumping myself up and then the chick's mom answers the door and like, I almost like swing because I just was like, just like in my mind, I was just like, oh man, this is going to happen. They're going to open the door and she's like, opens it up. I'm just like, Ugh! and I'm like, hi, I'm looking for, I don't even remember her name was, uh, Let's just call her Jessica or whatever. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for Jessica. And then she's like, what, one second. And then the chick comes up and I'm like, oh man, there is a girl. Good. You know? So she's like, oh, come in. And I come in and her friend is on the phone yelling into the phone. Just like yelling, like, F you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, oh man, like, 
this is interesting, so can we go? Like, let's just get out of here. And so what ends up happening anyways is the friend is fighting with her boyfriend. And so the friend's like, I'm going with you guys. And I'm just like, okay. So, like, me, <laughs> this chick, and her friend drive back to Vermont. And uh freaking two hours back, pick up my buddy Joe, and then we karaoke all night long. Obviously, I don't take him back that night because it's a two-hour drive, you know. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I could go on and oh, on. Oh, so you, oh, you ensured yourself that they had to sleep over. That's a well, good move. <laughs> that was a two-hour drive, you know. <laughs> Seems like you acquired some value in that trade. <laughs> I think, like, it's funny because we were karaoke at my buddy Joe's house at the end of the night. And I'm like, all right, Joe, well, we're out of here. So I'll see you later, me and these two chicks. And uh, Joe's like, yeah, dude. Have a good night. And I'm like, later, bro. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So uh, that was a – and these chicks, so I did, think they were – So I how did the, the threesome end? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there was no threesome. So That was a pretty crazy story. Yeah, it was, it was, it was semi-crazy. I don't know. Frank has you beat, sorry. I, I didn't I, – I wasn't trying to beat Frank. Nobody could beat Frank's story. <laughs> you can't do it, but but I wanted to tell you about a semi crazy thing. I didn't want to go into the the other things that were actually crazy. But why don't you tell us this hypothetical story about this guy Ron? Uh, Ronathan with the crossbow. <laughs> Ron, known to his friends as Ronathan. You know. <laughs> How about we talk about the mailbag topics instead? No, right. I'd rather talk about Ronathan. <laughs> Maybe another time. Maybe another time. One day. Right. So, uh, in this episode, just so our listeners know, we're, we're going to do, I mean, I think Frank did this for us, uh, put up a bunch of questions and topics that he uh, assembled from comments and and uh, emails that I got also. So, uh, we're going to get to that for this episode. So, it's our mailbag episode. So, if you guys want us to do this uh, every now and then, let us know in the comments. So, uh we should, Frank. You want? Yes, we should John. do like a like a shout out on Twitter and be like, "Hey guys, we're doing a mailbag. Maybe we might answer one of your questions." Yeah. Oh man, Jonathan, master of publicity. I should do it on my account because it has more followers than all you guys combined. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, like, whoa. <laughs> Let me just buy five hundred. <laughs> I need I need to buy five thousand or something. Oh man, uh, John though yet yet I have way less followers than you. Yet my tweet to follower ratio is lower than yours. Tweet to follower. I know. Oh, you tweet less. Yeah, you don't tweet at all, dude. I know. <laughs> I so, know. So why should I? So why should I care about having less followers than you? <laughs> I don't know. Why should you? Exactly. Uh, Frank. Why don't you uh, introduce us the first topic? <laughs> it says KYT changing subject. Yeah, yeah, John. Like you're 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 kind of like a like a chimp, and you're just like shaking your penis around. You're like, yeah. <laughs> chimps, chimps do that. I don't know. I, I haven't observed them as much as you have. Man, it's like your wit is not as good as your like to play skill. I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, so guys, like one. Uh, like one of the first topic 
and it's been like uh, it's been hinted at like a few times in her comments, and it's it's something like that that's been talked about uh, like uh, in and out, let's say. And uh, the topic is proxies and legacy, because there's a lot of people like with the uh, with the price increase that we've seen on duels and things like that. And, like, people are wondering, like, is there ever going to be proxies and legacy? So, uh, hmm. what the... Let's, let's start with our financial expert. <laughs> what, what do you think, uh, what do you think about that, uh, Jonathan? The question is, is there already ever going to be proxies and legacy, or should there be? Yeah, the question is, sh- the question is, should there be, yeah. I think. Because um, there's, there, I, I don't think I've ever heard, like, of, like, has there ever been proxies and legacy? I've never uh, heard of it. I don't think there's ever been, like, officially. Like, have you ever, like, started a group of legacy players, like a local group? I mean, if you've ever done that, then you'll see, like, all those guys proxying their decks at first. You know, and then they, they work on playing the deck, and then they go, ah, uh, you know. But as far as, like, tournaments go... You know, I don't ever really hear about, like, legacy, proxy legal tournaments for legacy. Um, I don't think that this is, like, my view on it. And I know a lot of people, like, they have much more thought-out views and much more, like, um, views that are just more important to them. Uh, this is just my view, like, off the top of my head. I wouldn't – I don't think that there should really be proxies in any format. I think it's just kind of like – if you want to play this format of Magic, sometimes there's a barrier to entry. Like, if you want to play Vintage, then sometimes you just have to own Power 9. And if you don't own Power 9, well, then you just can't play Vintage in, the, in sanctioned tournaments. I mean, I it's think just... if you don't own, po- own Power 9, you should just give Jonathan McKenna a phone call. Yeah! Like, Legit MTG, hello? I need some Power 9. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I like that. I like that idea. So, um, So, like... The same thing with Legacy, like, I feel like a lot of people, they feel like they should be able to play whatever they want, and they should be able to do it for free, and it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, look, you have to either put the investment into the cards and pay the $100 for dual land so you can play this, or you don't, you know? Like, some people, they don't, like, bobsled as a hobby, you know, maybe because it's too expensive, you know, but you don't see people saying, you know what? Bobsled should be free for everyone to use in case they want to play. In case they want to bobsled for a hobby, no, nobody does that. You know, like maybe when, when you, maybe that's the solution to the the bobsled problem. You know, like people can't do it; they can't afford it, right? Yeah, Some, I mean, you should subsidize bobs, like at least probably. in Canada. You know, I mean, have you ever seen that movie Cool Runnings? Like, yeah, I've seen it, man. That was that look awesome? amazing movie, man. Yeah, I mean, everybody would want to do it, but not everyone can afford it, you know? I mean, <laughs> KYT has a ton of bobsleds, probably. Man, KYT's got a bunch of jets, like, so uh, we could skydive for free. Yeah. But, we we can just use proxied parachutes, man. <laughs> oh, man, no. <laughs> I mean, all joking aside, like, I feel like there's a... Uh, the argument that's been made is that there's a certain level of pride that comes with owning a collection, right. and that pride preserves a format because people are, who are invested in a format are going to do things to see it survive, 
and to see mm-hmm. it do well. But people who just write Mox, you know, Pearl on a, on a, you know, whatever, a zero drop artifact, a planes, you know, people who do that are not invested. So if, if vintage crashes and burns, they don't care. They have no investment, you know, but like someone who has like power nine, like me, you know, I, I still don't care, but I mean, other people who have power nine, you know, they're, they're more invested in the format. Like for me, if, if vintage stopped existing, then I would still just play with my friends, you know, like, I don't yeah, you just, like, you just flip that Black Lotus over, right, island on it, and just, like, keep tapping it for mana. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... Yeah, I think, I like, it's, I think it's, uh, it applies to just, just, like, magic in general. Like, I think if the cards were worth nothing, and, you know, like, you just buy, like, an entire set, like, for 30 bucks, you know, and, uh play i think magic wouldn't work like people wouldn't be as you say in as invested as they are into it right now you know like the like that value drives the interest you know yeah i think like i played i played vintage proxy tournaments um like every time i played vintage it was in a proxy tournament and i played with proxies so it's it's tough for me to be on either side of the issue because when I played the proxies, that's what got me into vintage. I didn't want to personally play the proxies, so I kept trying to invest in power. And it wasn't until uh, this last Gen Con when I did Pack to Power that I finally got my full set of Power Nine, and I played in Vintage Champs with my full set of Power Nine, an unproxied vintage deck, and it was just really fun to own an unproxy vintage deck and played in vintage champs. I did terrible. I got totally destroyed by people who actually knew how to play the format. Um, but like, it was still a lot of fun to, to just play it. You know what I mean? And I think there's something to be said about that. And I think that, you know, people should strive to, to not have proxies in their decks. Like some people do that in their EDH decks too. They put proxies in there. And I think it's kind of annoying and lame when they do that. Yeah. Well, like I, I played vintage, right? And I've, played it like a few times since the first time I played it, but uh, I was playing, you know, with proxies, because obviously I didn't have the whole Power 9, which, you know, I don't think that many people have. And uh, I had a lot of fun. It was it was really fun. I was actually, you know, before, it shattered a lot of the conceptions I had about Vintage, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I really enjoyed it, and I, you know, I thought, hey, keep on playing playing this format. And then, of course, Wizards banned, like, 20 cards or whatever. Or, well, rather, restricted 20 cards. And uh, that that made me, like... I'm sure if I had owned Power 9, I would have would have kept on playing Vintage. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, ju- them banning, like, restricting all those cards definitely put me off enough because I wasn't invested in the format. Yeah, see, I think I think it's, like, that's a good example of how maybe it doesn't affect the everyday, but when something happens like that, it doesn't keep you attached to the format. Like, I've seen guys who haven't played Vintage in years, but they still have their Power 9. So, you know, they might go back to the format when they come back to Magic or whatever, because they're like, oh, I have this Power 9, I can just jump back in, maybe buy some, you know, Jaces or whatever, because you need Jaces for Vintage, <laughs> and uh, and then play the format, you know? How much? How much is the the power nine worth? I think like, like well, 
There's a couple things. Let's I have say to say like about this. an average, like an average price. You know, like let's say you're not looking to like get anything too fancy, but you don't want like the Coffee most the, the most heavily played uh, power either. You know. Yeah. No I mean, coffee stains, but, like, you don't need black-bordered mint either, basically, right? All right, let me do a quick calculation, uh, and I'll just kind of give prices as I go. Uh, time Twisters, you're looking at about 200 Um And then for the moxes, the non-blue, the blue and the black mox uh, can be in the 500 range. I mean, all this stuff you can obviously get cheaper. And then uh, the other three moxes are about 400 so that's another twelve hundred, uh, and then the black lotus is about a thousand, and time walk and ancestral recall are about four fifty a piece. So it's like another nine hundred. Hmm. So you're looking at about four thousand. Okay, four thousand. And like Frankie's like, that's no problem. <laughs> next <laughs> next picture of Facebook is going to be him with like. <laughs> Alpha Power 9 set. <laughs> um, so, like, but all that stuff you can get for cheaper. Like, uh, last year in Columbus, I bought Moxes at 260 a piece. You know, so it's just, it really is just, like, a real fluid market. Like, it, it's not really, there's not really a an authoritative price guide. I think the closest thing we have now that really helps you, like, get a value is actually the Star City Games buy list. Because when they did that legacy push, whenever they did that, they also started buying vintage stuff. And not a lot of people, like, kind of focused on that. I mentioned in articles, but no one really listens to me. So um, they started buying moxes, which makes it really annoying because when you want to buy a mox now, it's really hard to, to buy it for less than the Star City Games buy list because everyone will just be like, well, why would I sell it to you for that when I can just sell it to Star City Games? So, like, as an example, if you look at, like, Mox Ruby um, in Unlimited, Unlimited is the cheapest you can get. There's Unlimited, Beta, and Alpha. If you look at a Mox Ruby in Unlimited, Star City Games is buying them for 300 So, like, or a Mox Pearl is also a good example. 300 and Mox Emerald, 300 But last year, I bought a Mox Pearl and a Mox Emerald for 260 apiece. So so now that this buy list exists, it's kind of like uh like you're definitely going to be paying like 400 for your moxes, you know? Right. So so yeah, about it kind of it kind of sets the floor price on uh, on power at least. Yeah, whereas before there was really no floor price. So, you know, I have a lot to say about power. I want to actually write an article about it because it's this kind of like mystical thing, but it's a lot easier to get than people think, you know? And once you get it, it's awesome because it's just like, could you imagine showing your friends Power 9? Like, they just freak out, dude. They're like, is that real? You're like, yeah, dude, I'm a baller. Uh, my, my, fr- my friends are a little, le- like, a little harder to please in general. Dude, you My friends are all ballers. Like, I have KYT's like, yeah, I just threw my private jet. Wasn't going quite fast enough. What you, what you what you gotta do is get alpha, dude. Alpha. <laughs> I I got I got a uh, three pieces of alpha power now. Uh, Six beta worth more though. Uh, not really. 
There was a time where beta was more than alpha, but nowadays it's kind of uh, they're either neck and neck, or it really depends on who you're selling it to or who you're buying it from. Because it's, like, it's, like when I was playing back in the days, like alpha, I think it, it wasn't tournament legal for a while. Yeah, that's part of the reason why beta was better, because also, sometimes people like to play their, I know these are the real hardcore people, they don't like using sleeves, okay? So, like, the problem is, is that with the alpha corners, you can't play them unsleeved, because then you can cheat, because the yeah. corners are, are, like, wider than the, the beta corners. I think if you've got 100 IQ points, you also can't play them unsleeved. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, seriously, like, you're like, shuffle, shuffle, oh, look, I got a little dent, like, I mean, I guess if you're, like, a super big ball and you're just like, yeah, like, yeah. I'll just throw this deck out after I'm done with it today, but, like, <laughs> you know, for for mere mortals, like, uh, you know, you don't really want to shuffle unsleeved with your, like, $3,000 card. Yep. Yeah. Well, like, you know, was... I actually, I remember a friend of mine who was starting Magic, and he's like, what's the most expensive card? I'm like, Black Lotus is worth, like, you know, $3,000 for beta beta mint one or whatever and he's like man how much is that worth foil and then it's like i don't know 50 bucks <laughs> a million <laughs> oh man because foils did not exist back then right i legacy urza's legacy was the first set with foils right uh yes legacy. i like so me like i think i think I think, like, if we want to wrap up, like, the the proxy topic, like, I don't think I don't think there's ever gonna be like proxies in Legacy. Myself, I I don't see it happening, and it's it's probably not something that would be good. Yeah, I mean, first of all, if they allow proxies, they can't. This tournament can't be sanctioned. Like, you're not allowed to have a sanctioned tournament with proxies. Um. Right, like all vintage tournaments with proxies are non-sanctioned. Yeah, but you can win a Marx. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. High five. High five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, like, a lot of people play tournaments because they're sanctioned and for the rating and so on, even though the rating system is pretty, pretty bad. Um, and, like, definitely not being able to use the rating system for tournaments with proxies is another big downside. Uh, and I think, I definitely think, like Medina says, there is a value to having, like, your own collection and, like, people, you know, like playing with their own cards and there's a sense of belonging and, like, yeah, this is my deck, you know, I made it, I own it, you know, I'm really cool, I'm gonna play with it, and uh, I'm gonna win this legacy tournament. And, I mean, prices go up, but people, people are always gonna be, there's always gonna be some people willing to, to spend the money on the cards, and if not, there's, then the price wouldn't be that high, right? So, and, and there's other there's other ways to you can borrow some of this stuff. Like um, my buddy, he wants to play in vintage champs, and uh, he's going to give me a couple hundred bucks, and I'm going to give him a vintage deck to play with. Nice. Yeah, so it's like rental, you know. Yeah, you just acquired some some value. Yeah, you engaged on that right away, right? I engaged like RoboCop. <laughs> Engage. 
like seriously, like your car, you know, Medina's got this Karn card, right? That's uh, that's modified to have you as Robocop on it. Yeah. Plus four has to be like acquire a card from a player's hand. Oh like, yeah. And then, then the minus three has to be like trade three loyalty for a card in play on your opponent's side. <laughs> I history. almost had him make the ultimate more Medina. I was gonna make him do the ultimate pound more Medina, <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah, because nobody wants that. <laughs> That's just the public persona, man. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the down to earth homeboy. Uh, <laughs> all he wants is some some beans and rice and love. That's all I want, love. That's it, man. And beans and rice. You got to remember. And beans and rice and taquitos. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually probably going to be going for some uh, some Tex-Mex food with my my friend tomorrow. So, shout out to Davies. <laughs> KYC goes, someone move it to the second topic. <laughs> He's like, please. Yeah. All right, let's talk about factor fiction. Uh, I'll, I'll start us off. So we have another we have another topic here, guys. <laughs> Fact or fiction? Basically, they want to know how to separate the piles, right? Exactly. Okay. So how to, uh, how to do it st- uh, strategically? Well, like to be honest, here's like here's my take on factor fiction, and maybe I'm wrong. Okay, I'll pull one from Frank over there. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think there's really a way that you can do it strategically. Like I think that because you don't know what's in their hand you can never really know what they want, okay? And, like, no matter what you do, they're just going to take the card that they need. That's all there is to it. So, like, I think factor fiction is a is a trap. Like, to actually try to be good at factor fiction is just the best way to deal with the factor fiction is to counter it before it resolves. Because <laughs> after it resolves, like, it's all downhill. Like, it's there is bad things are going to happen. Like... You can't do anything about it. There is no such thing as a good factor fiction split, in my opinion. Go, guys. You are absolutely wrong. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Because, I mean, obviously, they play factor fiction, and obviously they're going to get an advantage from that. It's good if that spell's resolving for them, right? I agree with that portion of what you're saying. Okay. But what I don't agree with is that there's no such thing as a good split because the the good split or the correct split is one that minimizes the gain they do get from the spell. Because yes, you're gonna lo- you're losing either way, but the whole point is about minimizing your loss. Like you're basically you're playing goaltender, right? Like the goalie doesn't get to score any points, but like if you let in only two goals instead of letting in three goals, you know maybe your team's gonna win. Yeah, I think that uh, it's all perception though in this in this case. Like you perceive that losing less is a good, and I perceive that all losing is a bad thing. Well, the thing is, you're not necessarily going to lose the game. You're just you've lost a bit of your advantage. You're or, losing advantage. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, and that's a problem but, for me. But the thing is, advantage is not absolute. Like winning or losing the game is absolute. You're either won the game or you lost the game. It's like being pregnant, right? You. <laughs> I mean, you would know more about that than me. Yeah, I have no, I know a bunch more of, about that than you. People. Oh, <laughs> oh, Frankie. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> Frank. <laughs> yeah, I make babies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh man, more Frank. 
See, he's he's working on it, guys. He's working on it. Yeah, the mosquitoes, man. Eh? <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't stop you, huh? Yeah. Never, man. Never let them stop you. <laughs> Get in there, man. <laughs> so yeah, why so don't you tell us? Slightly back how, on topic. How, how uh, so you, yeah, how I mean, like factor fiction. Like, I don't want to argue with you about. No, I just want to whether... finish my my point that like. I mean, there's winning and losing the game, right? And the, then there's winning, win more cards, basically cards that when you're already winning help you to win more, like put you over the top, those are bad. And cards that like, you know, lose less, like, oh look, you know, I gained some life, so I didn't die last turn, I died the next turn instead, those cards are also bad. But I'm not talking about that type of winning and losing, I'm talking about the fact that if you split his factor fiction properly, he can get one less card, and it could be that that is the difference between winning and losing, because he has to take the other pile because it is, in fact, the best pile for him to have. But you can still minimize the amount of cards and amount of value he gets out of his spell if you're splitting it properly. Yeah, you can minimize. I didn't say you couldn't minimize. But what I am saying is that whether you minimize or not, you're still going to be losing advantage. Yes, but like I'm, I'm saying, and that's that a bad added, thing. That's that's not a good thing. No, but I'm saying it's a that it's important to minimize the amount of advantage that you lose because it's not an like say let's say you right now have like a if we're getting point values to how ahead you are in the game or whatever you're ahead like 1.5 and then he casts factor fiction well you could still be ahead 0.5 or you could be behind like 0.1 or whatever you know. Uh-huh depending on how you split the fact of fiction. In one case, you're winning, and in the other case, you're losing. Sure, he, both ways he gained an advantage from where the point he was at before, but it's a completely different scenario, because in one one case, you end up going to the judge with that slip mark 2-1 in your favor, and the other time, you get to sit back and tell your opponents how you were managed, your friends how you were managed, screwed, and like, multiply, and whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, I understand that there's a difference between winning and losing the magic game, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that you want to make plays that are going to make you win the magic game. Okay, I know that. That's that's the goal. Just play and better, man. I, I, I understand that stuff, but what I'm saying is, and I've already said it, is basically that when they do a factor fiction, if it resolves, then you lose advantage, and that's a bad thing. Okay, so why don't you tell us, almighty oh one, how <laughs> to split a factor fiction? Basically, I mean, right, magic is a game of edges. You want to get as many edges as you can. So, obviously, Factor Fiction's a good card, otherwise people wouldn't play it. And so, okay. you just want to split it properly. So, like, obviously on a podcast, we can't tell you, like, rules to, like, make every absolute split perfectly. It's like, yeah, if it's this card, this card, this card, and this card, then you split it like this. But if it's this card, this card, because we'd go on for, you know, like, 500 years of talking. <laughs> also, also, we don't know what's in their hand, right? Right. I mean, there's there's a whole so, basically, there's a bunch of factors that you should calculate, like use to calculate how you're splitting the factor fiction, and like though you should use those guidelines, basically things to consider when when you're when you're deciding how to split the factor fiction. Okay, like what? Okay, well, I mean, you want to consider first of all when are they casting the factor fiction. Are they casting it on their main phase? Are they casting it on your end of turn? Are they casting it in response to you playing a spell? And it, it definitely matters, right? Because, for instance, in Legacy, if they're casting in response to you playing a spell, it's, there's a fairly solid chance that they're digging for a force of will, right? Or something. Yeah, or trying to make you believe that they're doing that. Right. Of course, that's the next level play that 
you know, maybe they're, they already have the counter and they're just trying to make you value it more. But I do that all the time. I factor fiction when they cast a spell because I want them to split the piles awkwardly, even though I have a force of will in my hand. And then they put like one force of will on one side and four cards on the other. And then I scoop up the other four cards and force their spell. Right. <laughs> right. However, you do want to take into consideration the fact because as, as I think KYK and I learned from uh, watching, from doing coverage, most people are really, really bad at magic. That is the truth. <laughs> That is true. I mean, as long as you consider being good at magic is like, you know, as I, I, I consider perfection of magic is something unattainable that, you know, everybody should be striving towards, but can never <laughs> quite touch, you know? Okay. Anyways, so, so like everybody in the grand scheme of things is really terrible at magic, myself included, you know, just like I'm less terrible than John, for instance. But, uh, yeah, back, back to main point that like, you, since usually people are going to be doing like the more obvious play, like if they're playing factor fiction on their turn, unless you like know and they've like made really good plays in the past, chances are they want lands, right? Okay, I, I see where or you're going. Something along those. Or whereas if they're doing a year end step or whatever, you know, you don't have as much information. But if they're doing in response to one of your spells, they're try- probably trying to hit a counter or something. So, okay, so, uh, so so you need you need to take that information that you have basically and use it to. to to help you make a decision. Okay, so if they want lands, then what do you do? Because they're going to get whatever you split, right? I mean, right. Well, I mean, doesn't say, matter, right? Well, so let's say this: you, they play factor fiction in their main phase, and huh. the it's like ancestral visions, counterspell, Jace the mind sculptor, tundra wasteland. How would you split that? They've got let's say three cards in hand, four lands in play, obviously. And how do you, how do you split the fact fiction? I'm asking you. You're the one who said. Uh, I, I well, what I, I say I just, is I go. I'm doomed. Okay. So you just concede the game at that point, and uh, or you just go like I'll yep. give you five or zero. Your choice, yep. bro. Yeah. Really? I give him a choice, but I'm asking you what you do because you're the one with the answers here. So I don't me. have the answers. I just have uh, what I use as like guidelines. Basically, what I consider try basically a checklist that goes off in my head that I like. I go through when I'm splitting a factor fiction to decide how I'm going to split it. Okay, so you see that pile, and then what do you do? Okay, well, you're saying you're they're going to get land either way, right? Well, well in sure. that scenario, I mean, you they can. They have the option. Is the problem right? So in that that scenario, you want to generally want to like limit the amount of land that they can get, right? Because you don't, you probably don't want to put you don't want to go like Jace land land, and then you could have ancestral visions or uh, or or counter, counter spell whatever yeah. or those things, like because that's obviously a terrible split, right? Okay, so you're saying one land, one land, right? In, in each yeah, pile, there should probably be one land in each pile. Then what? So then you have to decide like between the spells. Considering that you think your opponent is low on land, right? Which spells are like more valuable and which spells are more important to the game state? Which is like another thing you need to check off in your list. You need to, you need to consider the game yeah. state. Like, ob- the, it's a very different how you split factor fiction if like you have three creatures on board and your opponent's dead if, if you, this attack happens or if like you have like a Jace the Mind Sculptor in play, you know, and they flip like Wrath of God, Red Elemental Blast, and okay. some other cards, you know? I, I understand, but wait, wait, wait. You're, you're, you're confusing the listeners because we're in a situation right now. We have a land and a land, and we still have to split a Jace, a Counterspell, and Ancestral Visions. 
Okay? So, you think that they're land short, they have four lands, they played a factor fiction in their main phase, and they came up with a wasteland, a tundra, a jace, a counterspell, and an ancestral visions. Okay? So how are we splitting this, Alex? We so don't want to get, saying... get the time called by the judge. Okay, so we got a land and a land. <laughs> I'm saying that I can't actually answer that be- without knowing all the information about the game state, and I'm I've trying to see you... what things are important to consider. And I'm okay. saying that what, your what board you position is very next? important. What do you instance, need to know next in this situation? You need, a, you need to consider your board position, as I'm saying. So does your opponent... As, since he's probably playing, a, he's playing a factor fiction deck. He probably doesn't have much of a board position, whereas you may or may not have, let's say, tarm, two Tarmogoyfs in play, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you have the two Tarmogoyfs in play, the Tundra has a lot more value than the Wasteland because he could potentially cast the Swords to Plowshares off of it. Plus, yeah, he that's... could like suspend Ancestral Visions right away. Yep. So, so you probably want to put the Tundra not in the pile with Ancestral Visions, and you probably want to value the Tundra higher than the other cards because it could potentially source the plushers on your guys. Okay, so so the Tundra, so the Ancestral Visions goes with the Wasteland, right? Right, right. Okay, then then he gets a Counterspell adjacent to Wasteland? Then the, no, then there's a Tundra, and there's... So right now the Jace and the Counterspell haven't been assigned to piles. Okay, but I'm pretty sure this? I would put a Tundra in one pile and the other pile would have Wasteland and such provisions. Okay, and then what? And then then you have to decide with the, the Jace and the Counterspell. So do you like are how which card is going to be more annoying to you? Like which card do you because you have information your opponent doesn't know, right? Well, if you, you have two Tarmogoyfs, you don't want him to put a Jace down. Right. I mean, he's not playing a Jace this turn, though. So you have to consider, like, if he's not playing a Jace this turn, you know, how relevant... Yeah, he's not playing a Counterspell this turn either. Right, so, exactly. So, so both are equally irrelevant this turn. Right. So the Jace, Jace is probably more relevant, unless, like, you're playing a Natural Order deck, let's say, you know, and you're going to be sacking one of those Tarmogoyfs to get Progenitus. You don't want him countering your spell. So the Counterspell is more valuable in that scenario. So where would you put the counterspell if, the, if that's the scenario? Not in the tundra pile. Um, I would probably put it in the in the tundra pile because I think like the, that. Well, the you tundra... said first of all you valued the counterspell highly and the tundra highly, right? right. So you why would... would you put the two things that you value highly in the same pile? Well, you generally you want your opponent to take the smaller pile if at all possible, right? And the tundra, you're you're. Only you're only valuing that highly because, like, you're high, valuing it higher than the wasteland. You're not valuing it higher than like, you know, like re- extremely highly. Like, basically, the counterspell is worth more than the jace. The tundra is worth more than the wasteland. But since there's the ancestral visions on the other side, it like kind of balances out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, that so you, you would give him a pile of wasteland jace ancestral visions? Probably yes. I mean. Obviously, there's other things to consider. There's a whole bunch okay. of things to consider. Like so, the game, it's a complicated game that we're playing. But so after you've done all that, he takes the tundra and the counterspell. Okay. Right. And this is the point I've been making uh, about the factor fiction. I mean, we could all say, like, from our our magic high horses, oh yeah, there's ways to split this. But now we talk through it, and it's obvious that. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. Obviously, right? And and this is a losing situation. Like, not losing the game situation, but the, the, 
The question isn't, how do I win the game when there's a factor fiction result? The question is, how do I split a factor fiction? And well, the answer I gave is, look, man, if there's a factor fiction, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do because you're, because of two things. Your opponent has the choice and you don't know what's in your opponent's hand. If you thought sees the turn before, then it's a little bit different, but just a blind facts or fiction, the opponent gets to choose and you don't know what's in their hand. So this makes it almost impossible to split a factor fiction. See, you know what's in your hand, and you, so that, that's information that they don't have, so you can, like, it's completely the same way that you can make a split that to them seems like it's really good, but you in fact know that it's, you know, it's wrong for them to take okay. that. I'll consider For instance, for instance with, if, if you have natural order in your hand, or in your deck, or more likely, right? Then like, he doesn't know that the counter spell has that much value, because he doesn't know if you have natural order or not. So is he going to take the Counterspell Tundra pack? Like, maybe, maybe he's not. You know, maybe he's going to take the Jace Ancestral Visions one. Uh, well, he's yeah, pretty I mean, like, I think, in fact, in that game, that game scenario where you have two Tarmogoyts in play, you're, you're pretty ahead as is. Like, I mean, the other, the other thing I take into account is I, I, I'm reasonably good at reading my opponent. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like, for instance, let's say, take KYT, for example, like, I, I can basically just like tell you exactly every card that's in KYT's hand when we're playing against each other. Okay, I mean, I and can like and like so so using using that like can can tell you know if he has if I really have a strong feeling that he has Swords of Plowshares in his hand, then I'm gonna put probably put like Tundra or everything else. If like I also think he doesn't have like a White Land, right? Okay, yeah, and that can fi- that can backfire on you. And I mean, yeah, oh, it definitely yeah, sure. Can. If if you're a Jedi. And you you know what your opponents have in their hand without seeing it, and if you have two Tarmogoyes and a natural order in hand, then you can probably win the game. So, okay, I get it. I'm trying I mean, I'm trying to move this along for the for the listener because I think we've exhausted the factor fiction talk. Yeah, well, basically, <laughs> just a quick wrap up. The things I I consider is I consider the board state, when my opponent's casting the spell, how many cards in hand he has. And like what, which cards I care about the most, and then I consider wh- which cards does he probably care about the most, and then try and split it that way. And then after all the consideration, he picks the cards that work best for him. Of course, he's going to take those cards. But the thing okay. is, you're 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 the pile that he takes <laughs> is often going to be like minimized as much as po- possible, right? Oh man, you're going to give him less than he potentially could get. For instance, at the CMT, right? I saw. Saw factor fiction split where the only the two cards there were only two cards that like mattered at all. The other three were completely irrelevant, and the guy split those two cards or the other three cards. Yeah. Now that's absolutely wrong. Like you should be able to realize that's wrong. Because but as long as you go through the mental checklist of which cards matter to me, the guy would think, oh, Crucible is like the only card that matters at all. You know, like and way obviously wasteland to a, a lesser extent. So, and he's like, yeah, I'll put Crucible Wasteland in this pile, and, or the other stuff. Like, that's obviously wrong. You should probably, you know, you should probably not be... Yeah, I mean, you should split the Crucible and the Wasteland so that they could take the Crucible, play it, and play their Wasteland from their graveyard. Yeah, well, I mean, you at least minimize it, make them think maybe as a counterspell or whatever, because he doesn't know if you have a counterspell or not for his Crucible. Why would you give him the Wasteland additionally? It's like a tiny, tiny edge there, obviously, that we're talking about, but... 
Well, because then they they pick up the wasteland and crucible, and they have to they have to lose the other cards instead of gaining another card. And because like putting the wasteland in the graveyard with when you have a crucible is like giving them the wasteland as well. It's not exactly because if the crucible doesn't resolve, the way they don't have the wasteland, do they? No, but I mean we can go to ma- we can go to magical Christmas land and Anyways, say let's, you know. But that's anyway. The, the, that's not the point. The point is like. I've actually seen people make that split, but also give another one of the cards in the crucible pile and similar things like that. Like I've seen a guy, you know, the guy has board, board state of all these creatures, he's got like one card in hand and then factor fiction reveals like brainstorm, wrath of God, Jace, like two lands. And the guy puts like wrath of God land brainstorm in the same pile and Jace in the land. In the other. It's like, um, why is it not wrath of God, everything else? Okay. One thing you you might be right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight with you about it. But one thing I can say because I know this for a fact. Okay. <laughs> you sure it's not just fiction? Anyway. Ah, good one. <laughs> so here's the here's the fact for all you guys <laughs> falling asleep. Okay, wake up. I got I got a tip for you. Here's the tip. If you have to split a fact or fiction in Commander, you better give him five zero, dude, because. You know what? It's going to come around and help you later in the game. Five O splits in, in, in Commander. Do it, man. They, <laughs> I, I actually, I, again, I'm in agreement with Jonathan here. In Commander, I pretty much, I almost always split Factor Fictions five zero. Yeah. Unless it's just See? me and the other guy. Like, unless it's, we're down to two people, which <laughs> like give him a real split, you know. But if it's like, if there's a bunch of us, I'm like, yeah, five zero. Yep. Yep, do that. Do that and see how many friends you make. It's awesome. So actually, once I did four one, and the one card was like a random land, like that he clearly didn't need. It was just just as like a joke, you know, just like so and be like, yeah, like why'd you do four one? Why didn't you just five zeros? Just because I could. Nope. <laughs> exactly. So there's a little tipster for you guys about the factor fiction in Commander. In Commander. Talk yeah, about factor like, fiction. Did you see I, the factor fiction Sphinx? Yeah, exactly. I think in in leg uh, in uh, EDH, that's the the factor fictions that you're gonna see the most now, with a huge body attached to them. Whoa! What, what are you guys talking about? They uh, they spoil the Sphinx. Uh, a Sphinx that has come into play. Factor fiction. Yeah. What? Like six, <laughs> six or five, six or something for Wait, flying. Can for... you guys link me? Can, is that cool? I don't know. I don't know if we were able to do that, John. Oh, I'll find it. Do we have the technology? <laughs> I just feel bad for the users who had to listen to that fact or fiction speech, man. It was like, like, it was like a bit long-winded there, guys. But uh, I mean, it's, it's it's really hard to explain on a podcast. Like, no, they're gonna be happy because they asked for it, man. Yeah, you guys yeah. asked for it. Remember that, eh? You guys yeah. started it. I, I feel yeah. like it was like old Alex and Jonathan for a minute there. <laughs> I, I was feeling a little bit of, uh, you know, a little yeah, bit of... Like, just before, yeah, you before relapsed a little bit, Jonathan. High five. I relapsed. I re- I'm sorry. High five. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is all this stuff, man? Wait a second. M12, Ranger of Eos? No. That's fake. Pentavus? Oh, that's real. Pentavus? Yeah, that's so, yeah, coming back. Sphinx of Uthun. Five blue... Oh, wait, spoiler right here. Oh, you give me the link to the spoiler? Come on, guys. The image. Oh, yeah, yeah, spoiler alert, guys. Spoiler alert. Do, 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 do. Sphinx do, 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 do. of Uthun. 
Five colorless blue blue flying. When Sphinx of Uthan enters the battlefield, reveal the top five cards of your library. An opponent separates separates those cards into two piles. Put one pile into your hand and the other in your graveyard. Five six. Oh man, that's so ridiculous. So it's pretty pretty sweet. Uh, I mean, the, the problem in constructed in like type two, and for instance, it's going to compete with uh, consecrated Sphinx. But, oh uh, man, this thing with Vencer is so sick. It's pretty sick. It's good with like any copying creature effect as well. Yeah, and you're it's like, nice that it doesn't die to dismember. Not dying to dismember is important. Yeah, you're like Phyrexian Metamorph, Factor Fiction. Or the new clone, the new Illusion clone. Yeah, there's like two mana, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And guys, look out, that, card, that card's like cheap enough to maybe be legacy playable. <gasps> you didn't say it. I actually did. I just said oh, it. Oh, man. I said maybe legacy playable. Man, we are I so spot I, on. I think like uh like that card and uh the new demon, like they're some of the best like EDH cards that I've seen in a while, you know? Yeah, the demon's oh. sick too. In fact, talking about vintage, that guy might see play in Oath of Druids. What? What's the demon? It's uh it's a six six demon for seven. And the when he comes into play you get the demonic, a tutor. demonic tutor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Wow. Jizz, Din, my there. pants. Oh man, the, the art is so sick on this guy too. Wow. So like they're really trying to push this. You know how they have that like quicksilver amulet now? Yep. So it's just going to be like amulet, factor fiction, end of your turn. <laughs> Demonic tutor. Oh, by the way, I have these big dudes in play too. Wow, I like it. I really do. Yeah, and I and of course I assume there's going to be three more in the cycle: a white one, a green Man. one, and a red one. They're blowing my mind. They're blowing my mind right now. And the art is so sick on all of these. Holy smokes, dude! Talk about like. Getting excited for a corset. Yeah, man. you got to get these in Japanese foil. Of course. Ob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, anyways, let's go to the yeah. next question, guys. Okay, what, yes. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still with you guys. You, you have sure? any thoughts, uh, KYT, or you're just uh, editing articles while we're talking? <laughs> no, no. I'm looking at uh, the M12 stuff. He's lying. <laughs> the, next, the next topic is setting up a legacy group. Ooh, have any of you guys ever done that? I have not. So, uh, Jonathan, maybe you would like to enlighten us with your knowledge. <laughs> That's the sound of enlightenment, in case you guys know. I thought that was the sound of a whale. <laughs> or are you just backing up? <laughs> oh, man, it's the sound of your mom backing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad, John, I thought we stopped going there. Oh, man, I know. I certainly but... stopped going to your mom's house. Oh, I had to bring it back. just went downhill. I had to bring it back, S.A. <laughs> All right, so here's what here's the biggest thing to setting up a legacy group. Okay, guys? Cards. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about dual lands, okay? People can usually fend for themselves with dual lands. Like, the biggest thing is you have to, you have to be able to tell people, check it out. You can build a legacy deck and and um, not 
Like, people are intimidated to build a legacy deck, okay? So the biggest thing you have to do is have all of these common uncommons on you. Like, I have a big box right here. I'll just go through some of them. Okay, yeah, John, so we don't we don't need you going through cards, okay? Okay, just listen. So I have a bunch of Great Furnace, a bunch of Tree of Tales, Bajuku Bog, um, you know, Mistress Factory, Ornithopter, all this kind of stuff, right? So just get a bunch of that together so that you can build their decks for them, basically. Like, okay, here's, like, I'll change this at 50 cents, whatever, a dollar. And then all they need is the expensive cards. So if you have everything but the expensive cards, then people will be more apt to build decks. Oh, yeah, man, plus you can meta game against them because you've seen their decks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I say, like, like get a flyer, like, talk to the guys at the local shop who's interested um, bring a couple of legacy decks with you so they can get some feel for playing. Um, help them proxy, help them build. Like a good thing to have is like printouts of the top eight list, and then be like, well, what which of these do you think you might want to build? You know, some people will like. I did that the other day. I, I um when legacy was on the way up, I said, hey guys, you better start getting your legacy decks together now because legacy is going up in price. So I started trading them all their stuff. You know. And uh, I, I think the biggest thing here is not setting up a legacy group because all you have to do is, like, get this box of common uncommons and uh, and get people interested and help them build decks. That's, that's fine. Then you guys will be playing legacy. The problem is keeping it going because what ends up happening is they get interested in, like, a Type 2 deck and then they can't afford the cards in the Type 2 deck, so then they sell their duels or whatever. And see, since they don't have that investment in the format of dual lands, they stop playing Legacy. Finally, the common uncommons end up in their trade binder and this kind of thing. So the real trick is keeping it going, and I don't really know how to do that. Hmm. I think I think the only way to do it, and I, I, I don't do this because I don't have time, but it's like a weekly tournament that offers decent prizes. Like at, at your store, if you have a, a Legacy Weekly... Those groups tend to really flourish. Like you guys have a legacy weekly, don't you? Tuesday nights, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's just the 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 um, prizes part that is maybe I don't know, like getting going like four zero and get you get three packs or whatever. Yeah, but even with the three packs, the the weekly legacy tournament still has a group of, of dedicated legacy players, right? Oh yeah, definitely. See, so it's like it's that weekly tournament that you have to have. If you don't have that, then they're you have just to keep like, the people. You have to keep people playing legacy, you know, and wanting to play legacy and being able to play legacy. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just not going to be able to sustain the group. Yeah, because they, they, it's people fall out of legacy just as quick as they get into it. Right. So you really gotta like, I mean, you really gotta foster like a, a community and like cultivate it, you know. Yeah, just like I think. Simple I, human I think you ha- go ahead, go, go ahead, Alex. Simple human <laughs> psychology that you know, just give people a reason for something and they'll do it. You just need a reason, and so a legacy tournaments an excellent reason. Just legacy tournament every week. People just keep their decks. They can keep showing up, keep having fun. You can even just you don't have to have an official tournament. You could just have like an unofficial one or whatever. Just have a play group. Yeah. I think like I think like you have you have to have some support, you know, like uh 
if you can get your store to like kind of buy into it a little bit and uh, like at our store like there's well we don't have like that like we're not kind of like trying to build up you know like we're like there is a, a legacy thing going on in Montreal so like there there hasn't really like it's not like we're just starting it up you know but if you're just starting it up i think like if you're if you're like giving his pride like the prices you you try to stock up some like a few of the the legacy staples you know and you give store credit as price then like as you win those uh, those small events you know you can like get more cards build up your legacy collection you know and uh, like that, that that's how it gets going i think yeah and and if you're if you're um, if you're if you're doing it just like as a playgroup, what you can do is like everybody like every week everybody chips in like five bucks, like you make your small little tournament and then you use that like to like either buy like buy more cards for the winner you know and things like that you know, and and that's a that's a way to get it going. But you, you have to find people like that that are gonna play with you that are gonna support you. And, uh, hopefully a store. And, uh, that's how, I think that's how you get there. Hmm. So, I so next topic, guys? Stoneforge Mystic in Legacy. KYT, you hit it. Cause this is your love, the love of your <laughs> this life. This is, yeah, this is your, your soul. The love of my life. <laughs> Like yeah, I mean, Stoneforge yep. uh, <laughs> is played in Legacy. Okay, moving yes. on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was there a specific question, Frank? I mean, I'm excited to see it. Uh, not only Play played Stoneforge guys, <laughs> but but obviously after uh, SCG Baltimore, we saw a bunch of them uh, have some results. I think I'm looking at it here. We had three in the top sixteen. Ben Friedman, Edgar Flores, and David Shields. And uh, David Shields really looks like the list that I would be playing right now if uh, if I wanted to build this deck. Uh, the most interesting card in his deck list is one Manrique Gusari in the sideboard. And I haven't seen that card in a while since I think uh, when I was playing with Umazawa's Jite. And this was also legal, right? Um. So I wonder about this card, Mariki Guzari. I, I guess. guess I guess that one's for the mirror. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That that's been tech forever, right? Like. Yeah, I think it, when something's been tech forever, it's not actually tech anymore. I think it's yeah. old news, guys. Old news. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so like, guys, I, have you played Kamigawa Block? Guess what? Mankiri Guzari kills equipments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like. Yeah, it's now seeing more play because of uh, Batter Skull, but that was, uh, like you said, that was the answer to Jeet, and like people have been asking for that card for about a month, two months in Legacy now. So like the Legacy cast is really way behind on this one, man. <laughs> I, you know what? Here's a cool story. Um, when I seen Batter Skull being played in Legacy. I went and ordered uh, seven foil uh, Manrique Gusari on eBay Whoa. for a dollar a piece. 
And I've sold every single one of them for seven. <laughs> I know. I know. Man, Jonathan Medina, guy who can spend, take all that time getting, finding the card and buying the card and taking a risk. And he managed to get six dollars profit off of each of them, guys. Yeah. Like he could buy himself like a nice lunch or something. It wasn't really a risk, you know? I mean, that was the obviously the next thing, yeah? Yeah, Mankiri Gasari. Alright. So anyways, now that that you're done trolling me, let's move to the next topic. Yes. Yes, (laughs) let's do that. Oh man, it's a financial review. Oh. Oh no! Because otherwise I'll pass out from boredom. So Jonathan, take it away. (laughs) Pass out from boredom. What was in this set? Let me start there. <laughs> what is this, new Phyrexia? Oh, man, I don't know my magical cards. Mythics in this set. Okay, financial review, Batterskull. Going down a little bit because uh, Stoneforge is banned in standard. But will be a legacy on an offer. I'm not going to call it a mainstay because as long as Stoneforge is good, Batterskull will be good. Elastorn and Dredge, we already talked about a lot of this stuff. Uh, Jinkataxis in Reanimator, Karn Liberated in um, the Robot I mean, I deck. Think, I think we've seen the first of the Jinkataxis uh, last weekend, though. Yeah, but it was already being play, like talked about in prose articles as uh, the, the Reanimator, our, uh, Reanimator target of choice. But, like, like, the deck that, like, there's a deck that made top eight. And uh, the targets were all, like, pretty different than from the packages we've seen before, right? Yeah. And I mean, there's, a bun- there's a bunch of them from... Well, there's the two Praetors, basically. Yeah, I don't really, like... I don't really see a lot of... Um, I don't really see a lot of cards that will... Like I guess one of the one of the interesting interactions here is spells kite in Legacy. Have you guys seen that in the Welder list? Yeah, yeah I've seen uh, yeah I've seen it in the in the Welder list. I think spells kite has a lot of uh, potential in the Welder list and the Robots list. Uh, the, there's there's one in the Welder um, the Robots list with the what the heck is that guy's man? Whenever I get on a podcast. I can't think of card names for the life of me. But when I'm talking to my friends, like, I know the card names. So, you're talking, okay, I think we you're talking you. about Metal Worker, is that it? Uh, Kadotha Forge Master. Oh, yeah. To protect your Forge Master, Spells Kite uh, might be good. And then also in, um, I think I even seen it in the Grindstone deck. What? Yeah. To protect but, your yeah, Welder. The, the, the the painted stone deck, right? Yeah. So are you saying that Smitty was actually right about something? No, but okay. <laughs> I am saying the the other thing is uh you know I've seen like pure steel paladins as one ofs in certain decks uh, that could be interesting. So I mean, if you want to look at cards that might be good in Legacy in the future, pure steel paladin, spells kite, and. Uh, I think that's it. I mean, there was a little a little smattering of Phyrexian Obliterator in the uh, in the black white deck, but I'm I think there's sure. some uncommon that people are playing too, right? I mean, do we really have to talk about that again? 
You mean dismember? Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to talk about mental misstep. Oh. Why would I talk about that? Nobody plays that card in Legacy. But is that... The, yeah, that's in the new set, right? Yeah. This. Yeah, I mean, people are playing dismember, but they have been, right? That was, like, right out the box. Merfolk, yeah. Merfolk adopted in the sideboard over Submerge. There was, like, a 2-2 split. And then, like, people just started to realize it's really good. So, like, a lot of people are running Dismember in general. Well, like, people are starting to play, like, Magus of the Moon and stuff. And, like, in deck from, like, Team America, you don't really have any outs to that card other than Dismember. Yep. Dismember! Yeah, yeah I, but I don't know. You know, when you're playing Merfolk, you just don't want to top deck that card, though, because... You could just cast your Lord of Atlantis and kill them if you just drop deck the blank. <laughs> right, KYT? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, like, I think this is a bad question because New Phyrexia has been kind of in Legacy for a while now, and we kind of already seen what was going to happen. I feel like I'm rehashing, like, old episodes of Crazy Talk here. Huh, me too. Yeah. So let's, let's go on to the next topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next to play after your first. So that, that, that isn't that question a little bit, like, Hey, after you had sex for the first time, who should you have sex with next? <laughs> Your best friend, obviously. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, man, I, like, I didn't come up with those questions. I just I reported them. I don't like this question. <laughs> you're, 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 you're bitching at our audience, man. You're so ungrateful. Listen, audience, we love you, but come up with better questions, man. I mean, what deck to play after your first deck? The next deck you want to play, dude. Like, whatever it is, <laughs> just pick it and play it. It's awesome. I would say basically depends on what cards you have bought for your first deck. Try and, like, go to a deck that's more of a gradual, like, change so you don't have to buy the whole deck again. Just, like, buy, you know, like, oh, look, I already have four swills. Might as well, I can buy, like, you know, this duel and... And then, like, I can play this deck or whatever. And then, oh, now I have duels and forces. Now I can buy Tarmogoy so I can play this deck or whatever. I mean, unless, the obviously, the the money change, like, doesn't matter to you, you know? If you're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm Frank. Yeah, I'll just buy all the duels. No problem. <laughs> but, like, I mean, honestly, I, I, I play, like, most of the decks in Legacy. And it's just, like, they're all fun. Everything's, you know, the... People wouldn't play decks if they weren't fun at all, at least for some people. Like, some people, you know, like playing, like, slow control decks that other people want to shoot themselves in the face. <laughs> and, like, some people like playing, you know, like, combo decks where you just, like, play with yourself the whole time. You know? Other, other people like playing with a partner. And you just pick deck that, like, seems to suit you, because after you've been playing Legacy for with a first deck for a while, right, you should be able to see what all the other decks do and, like, just pick one that looks cool. Just frickin' play it. Play magic, man. Like, yeah. let me let me try to give also, like, a proper answer, you know, because... No. <laughs> Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> you fucking guys, man. <laughs> it's like the hate on Frank episode. <laughs> We're all jealous because you're the star, Frank. <laughs> yeah, you, you overshine over both of us, come on. Because no, the guy, no, because like, uh, like the guy, what he was asking is that like maybe he's like he's built like his first deck, like maybe he didn't build the uh, like the most expensive deck, right? 
and like now like he wants to go like like, like maybe he's taken like uh like more of a, an entry level deck to the format like maybe affinity or something you know yeah or, so like he's like what he's asking is like what's the next step you know and like me my advice to him would be build a tarmogoyf deck cuz like Tarmogoyf is played in so many decks. Like, if you're gonna be into Legacy for real, you know, like, you, you're gonna need your Tarmogoyfs eventually. And, like, maybe you can start, like, by playing maybe Zoo or, uh, uh, let's say Junk, uh, which is, uh, a blue, uh, uh, not blue, I, I mean, green, white, uh, black. Like, one of those type of decks. And, uh, then, like, maybe you can, like, get... Like, after that, the third step, when you're a real baller like me and uh, Medina, like, you can get your blue duels, your forces, and all that stuff. And uh, then you'll you'll be uh, at the top of the game in terms of uh, legacy. But I think, I think Tarmogoyf is, like... It's an important staple, and if you're, like... If you're playing Legacy and you don't have access to it, you know, like, you're, like, you're gonna, you're not gonna be playing, like, a tier one deck, you know. What about Hivebind, man? You can play Hivebind without, without Tarmogoyf. The thing is, like, like, if you're, if you're trying to, like, yeah, yeah, like, there's, there's, like, there's tons of combo decks, you know, that, that are out there, but, like, if you build those, like, they're not, like, you're gonna play just that deck, you know? Like, the blue-white stone You, wanna, you wanna get the staples that, like, you can, like, reuse the, uh, the cards in other decks, you know, when you, when you change your mind, you know, and when two the meta game shifts. Two things there. The blue-white uh, stoneforge deck doesn't have Tarmogoyf, and... Uh, that's a really good deck. Also, I own zero Tarmogoyfs. Ooh. But, uh, yeah. Um, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Mind's blown. Mind's blown. Well, I mean, legit MTG, the store has plenty of Tarmogoyfs. I don't have any Tarmogoyfs in my personal collection because I feel like every blue deck that would play a Tarmogoyf is just playing Stoneforge instead these days. And so, like, like why would I... I have foil Stoneforges. I don't have any Tarmogoyfs. I had foils Tarmogoyfs. I shipped them to the guy who won the GP. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like right now, unless you want to play Bant or Zoo, you don't really need Tarmogoyfs. If you want to play I, Control, like, the creature of choice is Stoneforge right now. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm not the financial guy, but I would say that I would pick up Stoneforges and Jace right now while everybody's like, oh, my God, they just got banned from Type 2. And uh, so, you know, because I think Legacy is going to bring the price back up. Like, if you look at Tarmogoyf, you know, after it rotated out, it uh, it, it was low for a little bit, and then because of Legacy and Eternal Format, just keeps climbing up. Extended Legacy and uh, overextended slash modern or whatever format ends up coming is going to play Tarm- is going to play Stoneforge Mystic on Jace. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that assessment. I mean. It's Yay. obvious. I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? Come on. High five. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, was he more asking like 
how the second deck he should play as to build his legacy skill level or like as a it seems like you you answered in how you would build it uh the best like financially i mean if this guy sounded like he's going through the same path as i did where uh i started with affinity and uh i then moved on to merfolk and of course um felt like like chapin said when he was on our episode when i said i was moving from affinity to merfolk it, it's like I took like training's wheels off and I thought, um, Merfolk was, uh, you know, obviously has his complexities. I didn't play it perfect, uh, or good at all when I picked it up, <laughs> but I think, uh, it's something that allowed me to learn a lot. A deck with counter spells, like interactions. Uh, you still just beat the guy's face in, but like, um, you know, having to use dazes and force, like, especially force of will, like knowing what you need to force against various archetypes i think that's what i've learned a lot from playing uh any blue deck and i think if you're going to play any blue deck as your second deck it might as well be merfolk um but now the stoneforge deck if you've been playing Coblane in type 2 obviously i would recommend uh playing that as well so that would be the direction that i well that's the direction i went and i think that was a Saw direction to go. I think, yeah, I think it's a valid direction, you know, and it is in that light that he's asking, you know, like, he started, like, with a, like, a sim, a simpler deck, a more budget deck, and then, like, he's looking to, like, dive deeper into the pool that is legacy, you know? I think, I think he should, like, this is what I always tell people, pick a play style, and then, Build decks that that uh, that are within that playstyle. Like I know I like blue decks. I've never played Zoo in Legacy, and so I know I will never need, um, you know, the the stuff that comes. I don't. I don't need Fire Blast. I don't need you know green red dual lands. Like I don't need that stuff because I'm never going to play a Zoo deck. You know. So like this guy should just figure out what does he like to play. And then I think he should try to build a deck that fits that playstyle because those are the cards he's going to want to play. I mean, if he buys Tarmogoyce, what if he doesn't want to play Tarmogoyce decks? Then he just invested in Tarmogoyce when he could have been investing in Tundras. You know? Right, right. So, like, I think you should just pick your playstyle, like, figure out what that is. What kind of decks? Ask yourself, what kind of decks do you like to play in Type 2? What kind of commander decks did you build? Do you have a lot of combos and systems in your commander decks? Or is it like just as much, uh, creatures, you know, as you can put on the board? Or is it like, do you love casting, uh, draw spells in commander? Or like these kind of things. Like, um, what, what kind of things do you like about magic? And then build decks that fit that. And like, I like control. That's what I like to build. So like, my first investment was tropical islands. Cause at the time, Tarmogoyf was the creature playing control. But, um, you know, I think he should do that. And eventually, like, what will happen is he'll be able to build every deck within that archetype, like, within that play style. I think that's, that reminds me of uh, a, something that I constantly hear as as advice to, to certain players, like, even leading up to a tournament. Like, obviously, the advice that we're giving here is, I'm assuming, John, I might be wrong, is if someone has somewhat limited funds, right? Like, he should be building... I think like it, my advice could go with limited funds or non-limited funds, because if you follow my advice and you have limited funds, 
then you're going to be sure to get the most out of your dollar because you're investing right. in cards that you're going to use over and over again. Right, right, right. If you have unlimited funds and you just go buy every card in that archetype, <laughs> and then you can play whatever deck you want or whatever deck you're going to want to play in there. Like today, I just went through my binder. Like I have a like a binder that I don't trade out of, and like I had been collecting so much garbage in there that like I thought, oh, one day I might play elves. So I have like foil, you know, elvish, uh, whatever that guy is, um, elvish archdruid, you know. I have, uh, you know, gaddic teagues in there and stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm never gonna play these cards. I'm never gonna play all his dust or these Eldrazi's in the 12 post deck. I'm never gonna right. play these vexing shushers in a, in a, you know, uh, whatever deck, uh, freaking <laughs> Charbelcher deck, you know. I'm not going to play these cards, and I just started to collect them because I thought, oh, maybe someday if I want to build Zoo or if I want to build Charbelcher or Affinity, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to play any of these decks. I'm going to play a blue deck with Visions and Stoneforge Mystic or with Deeds and, you know, Discard Spells. Like, this is what I'm going to play. So I kept my Tombstalkers, I kept my Dark Confidants, and I took all that other garbage out of my binder because I'm never going to play it, you know? Okay. I'm going to seg away from, from the current topic a little, and before we move on to the next one, it's like I keep, there's all these players that's, that I feel stick. Um, obviously, you don't want to be playing if you're mag, uh, how do I say this, other archetypes if you don't enjoy them. Um, but I do feel, in terms of increasing, this is a completely new topic, increasing your skill level, I feel there's definitely benefits to playing decks that you're not used to. And I think, for me, especially, there's some players I feel that because they've been playing a specific archetype forever, uh, I think it's one of the reasons that they're, they're stuck at the same level for, for, like, for as long as I've known them as a player. And, uh, I don't know, and my question is if you guys agree or disagree on that. I disagree. I think that it's good to play other archetypes just so you know, like you're saying. But at the same time, like, first of all, you don't have to own the cards to do that. You can play your buddy's deck. If your buddy has a zoo deck, play a couple games with it. But two, like, if you're just playing the same deck all the time, then you're going to know those matchups. Like, like Alex Bertoncini, when he plays Burfolk, he knows his matchups. He doesn't have to go play Hivemind to know how to play against Hivemind. He just has to play against it over and over again, you know? Like, he's a perfect example of why your train of thought is not, I feel, is not correct. How would you respond? I think, how would I, I would respond, <laughs> how would I respond? I don't think, like, um, it's like me being, doing well locally. I haven't been, like, a superstar with Cobblade, but I've posted great results, but I haven't been playing Cobblade all my life. I've played, like, Naya decks, Jun, maybe. I've played Mythic Inscription decks. I'm, like, throughout... Maybe Bernchini has played things outside of Rug when it wasn't like that standard deck, but then there's just people that will play, um, that will just never play a control deck because they, they hate it, but I think there's benefits. I'm not saying you'll, you'll become the best if you, if you try everything or if that's even the right way to do it, but, um, I just think that, you know, it's worth, the time in, in just picking it up at least once. Like people just, there's like Smitty who will never play a blue deck and then 
you see him build Mindhammer, and then you've seen videos of him playing it, and then he gets all these comments of him, you know, not being able to play it well, and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, even he admits that he can only, you know, play green decks, it seems. Yeah, and the problem with that is then Spinny builds Mindhammer like an aggro deck. And it's like, <laughs> dude, this is not what these cards are meant to do. And it's understandable. Like, if you want to play on the Pro Tour, then sure, you should be able to play any archetype. I mean, look at LSV. He can play Elves. He can play five-color control. He can play, like, a full range. But that's about developing range in the game. Like, if you just want to pull results and you're not on the Pro Tour, then playing the same within the same playstyle and archetype is just fine, right? Okay, I definitely agree with you there. I think I think that like there's actually a this is kind of it's a kind of flavorful thing that you guys are almost talking about like in terms of the cards like you know that some people are basically like blue mages and some people are red mages <laughs> like that's their like personality and so they play those decks and they're you know good with those decks but they're not as good with the other decks you know it's just like a real red mage you know it's like really good at harnessing the mana from the mountains and shooting fireballs but you know when it comes to playing like to, to you know remembering his ancestors then uh, it's not so good, you know? But, <laughs> but, uh, but, and like, you know, obviously the most powerful mages are the ones that can harness all the colors. <laughs> but, uh, I'm definitely a five color mage. I, I think you guys saw that last week. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, man, Frankie's a pro tour player, man. Obviously, obviously. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I definitely agree on the local level, like, the difference between, like, the most powerful deck and the most powerful deck of your playstyle is not going to be, like, bigger than the the amount of edge you're going to get from playing a deck you're really comfortable with and, like, are good with. Whereas at the Pro Tour, like, all the players are just really good and really comfortable with all sorts of decks so that, you know, having the best deck does give, like, that extra little edge that they need. Whereas I would definitely agree with Medina that, you know, on your local level, stick to what you know and what you like playing, you know? It's more important to just have fun than, than to win, really. Right, I guess my point in the end is, like, if you want to grow as a player, rather. Yeah, I think I agree with I that. If you want to grow as a player, like, you should definitely try other things, and, you know, like, I mean, it's just like in life, you know, you want to have as many experiences as possible, even though all of them might not be pleasant, you know? Like, playing Callblade isn't for everyone, KYT. Right. <laughs> As I think recent bannings have shown. <laughs> yeah, I just think like playing uh, the different decks that I've played in the past have allowed me to, to have a, you know, a larger range of decks to choose from as the formats, you know, rotate in and out. And, um, like, not being afraid of playing a combo deck, not being afraid to play a control deck, not being afraid to play, you know, an aggro deck. I haven't mastered, like, Mono Red, of course, where, you know, every single point of damage matters. So that's something I might have to look into somewhere down the road. Yeah, I don't think but, you've uh, mastered any archetype yet. But. <laughs> <laughs> Too strong of a word, but, uh, I think, you know. I think, like, I think there's, I understand what you're saying, but I think part of it's just BS, like, there's been times, like, you hear some of these interviews with people who have won tournaments, like SCG tournaments or something, and they're like, oh, yeah, man, I wasn't going to play Legacy today, but uh, my friend said I have this deck, and so I just played it, and, yeah, I won. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, 
how good they are at just playing the game, you know? I think yeah. Jerry T can just get any deck, like, without having practiced. Will he be better if he practices with it? Sure, but, like, he could probably just take any deck, and with his understanding of the game and his command of his play, of his play, then he can just win with it. Right, but I think know? a lot of that is because he has experience with a right. wide variety of decks. Like, he's already played... That's my reply. I mean, if imagine Jerry T, like, with all his skills, right, has just never played, like, a Storm Combo deck, and then you hand him a Storm Combo deck. Like, he's not gonna, he's, you know, he's, he's, he has, doesn't have those skills, he has none of that, you know, like, sure, he'll be able to figure out a bunch of it on the fly, but, like, you know, he's probably not gonna play it as well as, like, and so anybody who's played Storm before, maybe. Okay, well, here's my Like, obviously, I'm, I'm exaggerating it a bit just to make the point, but, like. Well, it's like that time he screwed up, uh, the Doomsday stack. Yeah, but uh, how well was he doing in that tournament when he did that? He was doing awesome. <laughs> you know, and he made one mistake. Sure, it was because he wasn't familiar with the deck, but he was still playing well. You know, like yeah. my my rebuttal would be this: like every time I played in vintage, I played with a, with a new deck, and like the first two times I played in vintage, I played first with a pitch long, and I top eight the tournament, and I had never played with the deck before in my life, and then the second time I played with Tez Time Vault. And I top eight at the tournament, and I had never played with it in my life. And I think the reason why was because it was outside of my comfort zone. So, like, it made me analyze my plays much differently than if I were to take something that I knew and just play it like I knew it because I'm just like, oh, I understand this, I know this. But this way I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what is important here? Like, what what cards should I be holding? Like, you know, should I let him duress me? Should I not? Like... All of this thought process came into play where I wouldn't be thinking like that before. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not quite sure though what point you're trying to argue because you seem to have like flip flopped on your position a little bit. I'm not like I'm not saying like you need experience with a specific deck though, right? Like I'm not saying you need to be like to have played a Doomsday deck to be good at Doomsday. I'm just saying like you've played similar. As uh, John is uh, sorting his mountains of cards there. Um, I thought he's just eating popcorn. Deal with it. I got orders <laughs> to get out. <laughs> um, like, I've played like old, like an old random experience, like I've experienced with an old random control deck, and that gave me experience uh, to, you know, know how to counter in standard with Cobbly. It's like, I'm pretty sure Jerry has played like Alex. He said, like, a bunch of stuff before, and that's what makes him so good to be able to pick up anything now. Like, whereas he wouldn't be this good if he were to, I don't know, I doubt he's, like, he's played, like, so many decks um, and created so many that I can't even name them all. <laughs> like, I'm, like, my personal opinion is that, like, well, certainly what I do is I play, like, all sorts of decks. I rarely, like, stick to the same deck. So, like, the same type of deck I often play, like, I definitely gravitate towards control or combo control or uh, decks, like, way more than than just, like, aggro decks. But, and no mana decks for Alex. But, like, <laughs> I, I, like I, st- I still play aggro decks once in a while, but just, like, you know, I, I usually have more fun and prefer playing, like, con- more control-ish or decks, usually with, like, more library manipulation and so on. Um, and, like, but I have, you know, I... I 
I've a lot of the re- legacy knowledge that I've gotten is from playing with a wide variety of decks, and so then like you know you understand what each deck is trying to accomplish. So then when you're paired against that deck, you know you know what cards are important and what like you want to try and stop of their plans. What are we arguing here? I, I don't know because like you had an original position which is that people should like just find one deck or one type of deck that they're good with and just play that, and never play anything else. Whoa! I'm, I never I'm said ar- never play anything else. I said, yeah. I said learn. I said learn your <laughs> archetype. Invest in cards that are going to be an archetype that you like to play, and to play that. He said, "What's the next deck to play?" And I, that's what I said. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. you were you were making points like, "Oh, I have these Gaddic Teagues and these Elf cards that I'm, you know, never going to play like, <laughs> in my binder, so I just got rid of them or whatever." I know like, I'm never going to play them. I hardly yeah. get to play the decks that I want to play because I don't play much Magic. So, like when I play Magic, I'm going to be playing a blue deck and all this other crap. I'm going to sell it. Like, <laughs> anyways, so so basically, like we've kind of been arguing with you. Like you know, you, you've been like the guy in the middle who's like swirling around with a sword and just like parrying from different sides. <laughs> so, so I've been winning. I've been I've been really thrashing. Oh man, you lose, man. <laughs> oh. Are you, drink, are you has, drinking, Frank? I heard a little slur there. <laughs> the jury has spoken. Oh man, I had you a lose, face. Jonathan. Man, trial, if you, you want to get better, you should get out of your comfort zone. Learn all these other archetypes that you've been scared of playing. Destructive <laughs> force in the process, and eventually you'll get there, kid. Uh, you know, and he's been trialed and convicted. Yeah, I think I faced the jury right now, and uh, and yeah, I, exactly. And I've been, been, been judged. Man, ma- yeah. Your man boobs have been rejected by. The I've jury. been measured, and it was a day of judgment. You've been destroyed. Yeah, probably. I fed you to to the mosquitoes. <laughs> you know, like I could be totally wrong about all this stuff, but the fact is, I still love playing magic. I'm still probably going to be doing it wrong for the rest of my life, but that's fine. Oh, you're fun. <laughs> fun. <laughs> I think that's the main point, guys. I think we can that we can all agree on. Play a deck that you have fun playing. I agree. Why? Why? Why do something in your leisure time that makes you miserable? <laughs> well, okay. There's a difference between miserable and like. Super fun, you know. There's like there, there's like there's like 15 billion like degrees between there, you know. I just remember trying to play a certain deck. I don't remember what it was. I think it was an aggro deck. Oh, I tried to play Naya against Cobblade. Oh man, that was miserable. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting there looking at his Jace and his Gideon, and what do I have in my hand? Vengevines. I'm just like, somebody shoot me now. Like, nothing in my deck is going to win me this game. All uh, of boy, I could have been there. <laughs> <laughs> and you could have shot me. Oh, man. You know what, though? You would have held the gun. You would have looked at me, and I would have said, do it. And you would have got scared and probably dropped it on the ground <laughs> and shot yourself. Uh, in the- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have shot you at all, John. <laughs> Frank would jump in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd be, I just, like, hand the gun to, like... Some raving lunatic who like wants to kill a famous person. He'd be like, "This guy has two th- over two thousand Twitter followers." And we'd be like, oh "Holy fuck!" Bam, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've looked at the numbers and like you're you're definitely one of the top grinders on Twitter, but you're you're you haven't reached like a superstar level yet, you know. 
<laughs> You've checked out the numbers, huh? Oh yeah, uh, man. Like uh, there's 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 bigger uh, personalities than you on Twitter on in terms of uh, Magic community. Obviously, yeah. yeah like Michael think, Flores right? is like friggin' a million followers. But who's Flores up there? Flores and uh, Mark Rosewater, I think, are the biggest. <laughs> All right. Yeah, if I ever get to those levels, I'll I'll be uh, pretty happy, right? I I think it's your goal to get there, right? No, no. Well, his goal, goal is to take over the world. You know, my goal was a thousand followers, and I've already got there, and like it just keeps growing. So I don't know. I don't know, man. It's like that water slide, dude. I just got on, and whew, there we go. You've been sliding ever since, huh? Yeah, exactly. I'm just riding the wave, guys. It's been wet and wild. Shout out to my Twitter followers. What's up, guys? Thanks for hey, following. Yeah, you just shouted out to me again. <laughs> I'm following you. Yeah, I indirectly shouted out to Alex. Yeah. <laughs> High five. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe KYT's trying to clock Nazi this. Um. Well, not yet. Um. So, next topic, John. What do you think... The impact of modern... Whoa, whoa, okay, wait, you gotta whoa. read the, the guy's thing, okay? We have it all... Okay, hello! Whoa, whoa, let me read it. Hello, my name is Derek, <laughs> and I am a big fan of the show. <laughs> I just had a question about Legacy and sure, Derek. Modern. Will a new format like Modern or Overextended hurt Legacy because the buy-in? Question mark? <laughs> legacy is my favorite format, and to see it get attention taken away because a money issue... Would suck. Let me know what you guys think. Thanks a lot. Crazy talk. <laughs> That's how it's written. More Frank. More KYT. Derek Davis. <laughs> Wait a second. Where's the more Medina? Derek. There's no more Medina. There's Derek. no more Medina, man. We're out. We're out of Medina. We're out. <laughs> it's um, it's just of, been shipped people... and lost in Canada post mail. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of emails from people saying that they really enjoyed last episode in the Les Medina, you know? <laughs> I think I think you gotta step up your game, John. You gotta you gotta you gotta step it up. Yeah, or I could just leave, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you wouldn't do that to your family? Oh no 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 I wouldn't do that. Obviously. We, we become okay. your family, okay? You know, it's just what the fans want, dude. Whatever they want, you know? On to the question. Um <laughs> I haven't okay, been Clark Nazi. <laughs> modern or <laughs> overextended uh, that closely, but I, I it seems that Gavin is having quite a bit of success with it, with uh, increased showings to his uh, weekly MTGO events. But as for whether it would affect Legacy at any time, I don't... I, I, yeah. I love how KYT's like, on to the question. <laughs> okay, blah, 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 blah. I really have no opinion. I just... I have no answer. idea. John, what do you think? <laughs> By the way, KYT, this is not an essay. You don't just need to get the word count up to send it into your teacher. <laughs> okay, so the guy sent more KYT, but there's nothing to tap there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tapped out, man. So, like, would would a modern or extend, overextended like affect the amount of people who are interested in legacy? Uh, yes and no. Yes, like, right now we're seeing a legacy boom, okay, because standards sucked. So, since standards sucked and legacy was really exciting and Star City Games has been doing such an awesome tournament series, 
uh, Legacy was in flavor. We also had the Legacy GP coming up, and a lot of people wanted to do that. So I think we're at the point now where all this um, excitement about Legacy is kind of dying down a little bit. So, like, mm-hmm. if a new format were to come, sure, like, the new exciting thing would draw people away from Legacy because people are already on the edge. Standard is already going to do that because people are so psyched to see a Standard without Jason Stoneforge Mystic. So this is going to happen, but I think at the end of the day, there's still going to be plenty of people who just love Legacy. Like, I wouldn't stop playing Legacy because Overextended came out. Like, I would just keep playing Legacy. Like, I don't think Legacy will get any new players, so to speak. Not any new players, but I don't think Legacy is going to get, like, an influx of new players because, you know, when Overextended or or Modern is being played. But um, I also don't think we're going to, like, hemorrhage players. Like, I think there's a lot of people who like Legacy. We've made the investment, and it's just something that's going to be part of our Magic career. And I think you're one of the people, Derek, and I think, like, you know, I'm one of the people. You know, Alex is one of the people. I don't know about KYT. We are all about, part of the people. I don't know about KYT. He was talking about selling his duels, so. Well, I, no, I don't think about selling. Did I say selling? I might have been. I was probably joking if I said that, oh, but uh, I think. Or maybe just truthful for the first time in your life. <laughs> I think John, like, you know, you know, put out a, a great point because, like, I talked about it possibly on the A-team that, um, I largely created uh, the Crazy Talk podcast because we were all playing, except for John, who wasn't the original Crazy Talk member, uh, to go to GP Providence. And uh, a lot of the excitement was due to all the SCG events that, that were becoming really popular and obviously the build-up towards getting to GP Providence and uh, playing and, and talking about all these brews, all these local brews like Protean Hawk, all that incitement. And obviously it's you know, died down compared to what it was at that point. And I really wish, as a side note, that uh, there were more than just one yearly um, legacy GP. I thought Providence seemed like a success. And I wonder, uh, with the double amount of GP next year, if we're going to see at least more than one. Um, but what's all this stuff? What's all this stuff about Jonathan not being part of the original cast? I mean, you weren't, oh. are, you, are you trying to say, like, that I'm less of a cast member because I was No, 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 I'm definitely not. We begged, okay, how about this? We begged you to be a member. I begged you. Yeah, that, 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 I agree with the second statement. <laughs> I was on my knees. I'm like, please, John. Because at first I was confused. I thought you wanted me to be a host. And then I started to get the feeling that I was a guest because, like, the first episode. But you know, like, you were a guest, with, right? With the words that, like, our special guest Jonathan Medina. Yeah, was that and that's yeah, and that's when I realized, oh, I'm a guest because you were like, do you want to oh. be on this podcast? And I'm well, like, you, oh yeah. We actually, you know what? We thought you didn't want us, you know. Yeah, that you were too popular. <laughs> you were starting yeah, we, this other cast, like. Yeah, we thought you were going to hang with the cool kids. Right. And then, like, I was like, KYT, am I a guest or am I, like, a host? What's going on here? And then KYT was like, do you want to be a host? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, but, yeah. <laughs> the original plan was uh, you were uh, you were our special guest for episode one, but uh, and, thought and chemistry Big was really... Big Head Joe was awesome. Oh, Big Head I'll, Joe. I'll never forget that song. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> because I thought we had some chemistry and, uh, then you, you began, but like that, that's how the, the cast was born. And, um, but I don't see these formats like impacting legacy anytime soon at all. Like, I think part of the question was the financial aspect, which I think John is our uh, expert, of course, but like that basically people who are now would start like say standard players who would now start playing overextended or modern would be buying cards that normally would just be legacy staples. And so there would be no higher demand with the same supply. And so the prices would go up. I think he's wondering whether that will hurt legacy. Oh yeah. Derek, sorry for, if I, uh, for my humorous rendition of your question. I think what he was saying is would it hurt legacy because the buy-in is lower. Yeah. Of the newer formats, right? So, like, people yeah. will say, oh, man, I'm going to ship all these duels and go buy in a modern instead because then I can pocket some money and then buy in a modern. So, like, if that happens, think about what, what that'll do. Okay, so all these people will sell their dual lands, right? So all these dual lands will go flooding into dealers, okay? And then nobody's buying dual lands because everyone's playing modern. So what's going to happen to the price of dual lands? They're going to go down. The demand is down, and the supply is up. So all that means is that Legacy is going to get cheaper, and then people who wanted to play Legacy but couldn't afford it are going to be like, oh, man, do you see the price of dual lands? I think I'm going to start buying them up so I can play some Legacy. So then it's going to be another cycle. Right. Yeah, awesome. it's, all, it's all cyclical. It's, it's, it's all going to be... It's like fashion, cycle. man. <laughs> yeah, it's like fashion, you know? Legacy is the new brown. I just, <laughs> I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't be worried at this point. Um, I mean, you, you take a broad, an even bigger extreme, right? Like, look at standard versus legacy. You know, people still play. A lot of people play legacy, even though standard is at least certainly thought of as the cheaper format, and probably without Jason the for, a picture, it is the cheaper format. Um, so like, why why are people playing legacy now, even though it's so much more expensive? Answer: It's, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, why would you not want to play Legacy? Just you get to play like all these sweet cards. Like, I think in the long run, it's it's more expensive to keep up with Standard than Legacy. I agree. Still, yeah. even even with the big price increase that we've seen in the past months. Yeah, I have faith in in one of these newer formats, but uh, you know they've tried many things with Extended. And so I've yet to see a, a third constructed format, unless you're counting block. <laughs> I just want to play. I just want to play polymorph in, in modern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but talking about block, one of the questions we have is, oh. what is the best block for legacy? <laughs> I'll let you start, John. Okay, to, to determine the best block for legacy. Whoa. <laughs> you sound like you're writing an essay <laughs> or, or like a lab report. <laughs> One must. <no. laughs> Given. Well, I, I think, Legacy I, is awesome. Given number two. <laughs> Legacy contains various different blocks. <laughs> I think the, the important thing to do here is to look at what cards are influential in Legacy to decide. And the, the block that has the most influential cards is probably the block that is the the best legacy block, you know what I mean, and okay, that quick question quick 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 intercept yeah for especially partly for you but mostly for whoever asked this question why does it matter 
Well, like, if they're if they're gonna buy packs. All right. Well, whoever whoever asks this question is probably not gonna buy packs of this set. <laughs> right. You know, because the sealed boosters of whatever set it's gonna be are probably a lot more expensive, like than just buying the cards. But hey, anyways, let's go on. So like, we have basically. Holy smokes. Did you see this Merfolk list with two Phyrexian Metamorph in it? Yeah, but th- th- isn't that our next uh, topic of discussion? Oh, is that on our topics? Yeah. Oh, I was just looking at Legacy decks to try to fill out which, which block was, uh, <laughs> which was legit. Okay, sorry. Rewind I that. I forgive you, Medina. <laughs> 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 so, to determine the best block for Legacy... You let's see. We got brainstorm. That's huge, influential, right? And that's an uh, Ice Age and Mercadian Mask. So uh, it's probably Mercadian Masks. Let's let's just stop there. Say Mercadian Masks. Most, and, most and, and just and just move on. Yeah, yeah. What else from Mask is in Legacy, dude? Man, there's Counterspell. Okay. Ooh, I like this. There's um. Rishdown uh, Port. Yeah, that card. Misdirection. Oh, see what you oh, did there. Uh, what else? Okay, so how about we talk about a block that could potentially actually be the most influential instead Honestly? of what Joe came out. So I, I I nominate Ice Age block. Really? Him to Torak? That's an it, Ice Age, right? I don't think so. Is it Fallen Empires? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what what, what part of block is uh, Fallen Empires? Honestly, it's, I don't really it's know. Not, it's not it's not in myself. a block. Yeah. I believe Ice Age block is Ice Age Alliance's Cold Snap. Really? Yeah, that is that's it. Oh well then that's definitely it. If that if that if those sets are all tied together in some strange weird block. I know, it's yeah. so strange, like they all have something to do with snow. Like holy fuck. Like, you know? Like Alliance wow. has had to do with snow. What? Of course, like there's snow coverage shenanigans and ice and alliances. Really, I, I believe so. Anyways, force of will, brainstorm. <laughs> you know, you know, like that, Dark like cold, like when they released Cold Snap, it was like the the third set of the like the lost the lost okay. block that never got tied up. You know, I didn't know yeah. that. That's that's why they made Cold Snap. And they brought back uh, cumulative upkeep and all those uh, Snowland nonsense, you know? Okay, let's do it this way. I know a set is the best set for Legacy. Oh, yeah? Which one would you say? Future Sight. Really? Yep. Okay, besides Tarmogoyf and Pact, what else is there? Uh, there's Bridge from Below. Okay. Dry- Dryad Arbor. Okay. Uh, Tomb Stalker. All right, and I think that's enough, dude. Well, I don't think Tombstalker doesn't see that much play anymore. Suck it. Neither does Tarmogoyf. In fact, I think we discussed Tarmogoyf, Pax, Tombstalker, friggin' Dryad Arbor, Bridge from Below. Pax are only really played in one deck. Narcomiva. Right? Yeah, so basically, there's like Dredge, and then there's like Hive Mind, and yeah, this is huge. These are big. Pretty- these are big proponents of legacy, and what about, basically, what about, let's, let's, how about we try Alpha? There's always dual lands, man. 
pretty important influential cards. That's not no. L- listen good. up, listen up, guys. I'm I'm gonna spare you like the humiliation of having <laughs> to talk out of your asses, you know. <laughs> and uh, there's this guy that we had on the show, Adam Bornello. He's doing an historical review of Legacy, and uh, his latest article came out uh, yesterday. And he what he says at the beginning is. We took a look at Future Sight, which was very likely the best legacy set printed in the last decade, you know? <laughs> there, so, there goes your answer, but, like, he covers really, like, all the the history of, uh, of the format. So if you're looking to, like, get answers, you know, and... Uh, Obviously, Jonathan Medina is not the right person to ask. <laughs> and uh, well, did, didn't I have the right answer though? Future sight, bam. Yeah, you got you got that one out of luck, I guess. But um, yeah, and then my explanation afterward had nothing to do with it, right? Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, so. if you want to read Barnell's article, go check out Flannel Wireball. <laughs> well, I still want to hear this this, this anecdote by. Uh, by Ronathan about uh, crossbows. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Ronathan! <laughs> Ronathan, not gonna happen. So uh, yeah, legacy. Um, freaking, what's next? Come on, Ro- Ronathan Demida. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Ronathan Bermuda. <laughs> no. Oh man. So right, so this, there's this Merfolk list. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was looking at before you guys interrupted me. Hold on a second. So yeah, I guess there's a Merfolk list with Metamorph in it. Yep, not too too surprising. I mean, it's a pretty powerful card because it gets to cop- get you get to double up on all your best lords and so on, and you can like randomly copy their Tarmogoyf for Tombstalker or Stoneforge Mystic. How long until this card's gonna be ten dollars? Um, like if if know. we're talking about finance, like we like the the guys asked us about like financial information on the new Phyrexia, and I think Metamorph is going like nowhere but up, you know, and yeah. and like it's it's also like it's an answer to like all these random legends that destroy you. Like, uh, you might remember Emrakul or Progenitus, you know, so it's, it's all, it's, I think, I think that's, that's one of the, the upcoming staple of the format. You're gonna see those guys everywhere. Yeah, I think, I think that you're right there, but we also have to remember that it's a promo. So. Yeah, and we also have to remember that we need to be realistic here, guys. I mean, Clone has been in the format, too, for a while. You know, dealing with, like, just with these big legend guys is not the main purpose. This guy fits into Merfolk because he copies Lords for a reasonable price. Looks like he can cost the same as a Regery, right? You can pay three for him. Yeah. And uh, he's a blue card, which is obviously very useful to remove to Force of Will. And, and you can uh, copy a batter skull or freaking kill a jeet or like a sword of fire and ice or Well I can uh, copy a sword of fire and ice, yes. 
I mean, it's very flexible. The problem with it in Merfolk, of course, is that it doesn't work well with Vile. Like, those two cards don't play nice together. (laughs) They're kind of like me and John, you know? Both awesome, but like together, you know, they don't play so nice. (laughs) High five. High uh, five. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I think it's good. It's... I tried playing some uh, in a sideboard of a Team America list that I was as running. America, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, like, it definitely, it's it's really good when your opponent's playing like crazy fatties or whatever that you want to copy. But like, crazy fatties. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, John. No. Bad. Was was that what you found in Troy? <laughs> oh. oh man! <laughs> was I'm talking pH fat, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Alex. I'm sorry. That's no, okay. But yeah, so uh, like, I don't think you can play that many copies of the card, and I don't think it's gonna be in, like, all the decks either. Like, I think it's solid, but the thing is, in Merfolk, you're already, like, fighting for the last few slots, and, like, as Wizards keeps on printing new sets, they're going to eventually print, like, another Merfolk that fits in the deck, you know? Like, look how, like, recent almost all these cards are, right? Like, Silvergill Adept, Regery, Curse Catcher, all in Lorwyn, and Corhelm Commander from Rise of Eldrazi. Curse Catcher was in Shadowmoor, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Lorwyn block, though. Because we were talking about blocks, Medina? Yep. Yeah. And anyways, yeah, so... I Like, I think, you know... And Wizards, like, people love tribal stuff, so there's going to keep on being tribal stuff. Tribal stuff! (laughs) (laughs) Man, I think you're going to have to go clock Nazi on this guy. John, I think, um, honestly, I think you should seek professional help. It's all the factor fiction talk. Go ahead, it's gotten them crazy. Go, go ahead, keep going. I'm I, I think I, I think I failed with the factor, factor fiction question because I just noticed that uh, <laughs> Justin Richardson was the person that asked about that. Oh, man. <laughs> man, we got trolled. <laughs> That's why you don't need Frank in charge of being the one to copy questions. He's <laughs> like, yeah, this question. Man, you guys this. fucking didn't do shit. For <laughs> Thanks a lot, eh? Uh, Frank, more Frank, guys, more Frank, more Frank. <laughs> I, think, I think you need to rest a little bit, I uh, really... Jonathan. Jonathan, oh, I think think those energy drinks you've been having, they I think they stay a limit of how many you're supposed to have. You're not yeah. supposed to have like five times that much. It's just vitamin water, bro. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, uh, yeah. Anyways, I think Metamorph's good, but I don't think it's going to be taking over metagames near you anytime soon. It's, it's going to hmm. be a strong role player, I think. I think it's a good role player. Role player! <laughs> KYT man, do something. 
I don't know, man. Hey, I actually like laughing. this. laughing. Like, you're enabling him. Don't you realize? I, I like this. I love doing it because then Alex talks in short spurts because he doesn't want me to interrupt with it. <laughs> and you're like an old card type. <laughs> See, he cuts himself off because he thinks I'm going to jump in there with it. <laughs> I thought you were going to respond by being like, what? And then be like, oh, yeah. All right. Clock Nazi time. <laughs> oh, he's taking away our toys. I'm, ta- I'm taking away the toys. Time out. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the corner. So, uh, I guess that wraps up our, our mailbag. If you have any more questions uh, for us in the future, you can leave them in the comments or email them at the, the new email that I set up, crazytalk at com. That forwards the emails to... Uh, uh, all of us, each of us, individually, um, and uh, let us know how you felt we did uh, in this episode. You know, hope people listen past the factor fiction part, but I thought it was there's some, there's some good knowledge in that. And for people that who are really curious, more than Justin asked, I think in the, our Facebook group there were mentions of uh, more factor fiction. Uh, so you guys asked for it, as we said, and uh, so we're off to our favorite feedback. My favorite feedback has to be actually from, it was just recently posted, which is episode 14, when uh, Alex and uh, John John was here with us, and uh, he explicitly mentions how much he loves their high fives. It's by Stuart Walker. Love the interaction between Alex and Medina. High five. It often seems when the conversation's about deep legacy strategy, Alex talks a lot of sense. While Medina just sounds as though he's never played the format. But <laughs> if Alex ever decides to take Medina on in a battle of wits, then Medina's having to fight an unarmed man. <laughs> but love you got more Medina and Alex. The bromance is clear to see. More Frank and, of course, more KYT. This cat's actually made me question which I prefer, A-Team or Crazy Talk. Didn't think I'd be saying that when it started. So uh, thanks, thanks a lot, Stuart, for uh, actually listening to both of my casts. Uh, extra plus to you. Did you get that, Scotty? You hear that, Scotty Mac? <laughs> Take that back to the boys. Smoke <laughs> that for a little bit. Okay, what about you guys? I don't think... Was there any... I don't think you guys... Jot down any favorite feedback from oh, the last episode. I like this guy right here. Justin. He posted on 619. Just got done listening to the podcast. Really but good. That was the one people. I wanted to say. Totally sniped it, bro. Uh. <laughs> Thanks for the shout out, Frank. <laughs> Medina, I'm the guy who's directing messages to Frank. That he's the star of Crazy Talk and you're his sidekick. <laughs> After Frank's roommate story, can there be any doubt as to why he's the star? Love the show more, Frank. <laughs> right. Justin, I'm glad you finally came out and you were a man about it. And, you know, I respect that. So, props. And this was a really long episode, too, that some people were complaining about. So Long this episode! episode long, too. This one's pretty freaking yeah. long. So uh, my my favorite one is from Drew, uh, one of our faithful <laughs> listeners, who says, you know, I was on, on Matter of Pride for Crazy Talk number 15, Outnumbers. Awesome cast as always, guys, even if there was less Medina, poor play John, 
poor play. <laughs> I gotta give major props to Alex this cast because he was totally legit and on his game like crazy. His insightful commentary and questions were perhaps the best they've ever been. Wow. At KYT, I really want a Brock a Man of Deprived t-shirt to go along with my Star City and Channel Fireball shirts. How can I make this happen? Oh, and then wow. some whatever DM on Twitter, blah blah blah. But uh, oh, it's Tina, more crazy talk. Your best fans are the ones that hated you the, at the beginning. That's that's that, that, that's crazy. Wait, real quick, Drew, did you get that stuff I sent you? Let me know. Oh. <laughs> I hooked them up, dude. I took forever, but I hooked them up. You hooked them up. Yeah. Frank, do you have a backup? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I'll he go was with going the... to read the comments, but then he saw it. There was no way. <laughs> but then there was this drill, <laughs> and he said there was no way. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that to Frank. Frank. Richard said a real about our last show without <laughs> Jonathan. A really good episode, guys. Was really nice hearing about the uh, hive mind. And uh, shout out to uh, Tom uh, Markson and KYT, the Asian sensations. <laughs> the Asian sensations. <laughs> Taking over. Oh, he also said, come on, Richard. Yeah, yeah. He said, Les Medina is something interesting. Still love you, bro. So. Yeah, and Mark Sun said, it's always good to have Les Medina. Was an incredibly fun podcast. And he apologized for cutting out multiple times. But Richard's, like, he's one of our biggest fans, and uh, he's a good guy, so shout out I to him. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna have an, an article on Man Deprived soon. Oh, yeah? That, that, that's gonna yeah. be, that's gonna be good. It's gonna be a legacy inferno, man. <laughs> that's a good reference to his blog. <laughs> um, we're gonna, we're gonna plug it. We gotta plug it. I think it's legacyinferno.wordpress. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it is. LegacyInferno.wordpress.com our biggest, one of our biggest uh, fans, and he posts quite regularly about Legacy on his website, so uh, definitely check that out. I think I checked that out before, actually. <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. Without knowing that he was a fan. Oh, he's, well, he's legit. Yeah. He's like yeah. the real thing. He's not just like your persona, John. Oh, yeah. Sorry <laughs> about that, guys. My persona. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you want to be known, man. He, guys, guys, shout out to Jonathan Medina's real self, okay? My real, my, the real me. Because I'm sure his real self is not an asshole. He's just trying really hard to be. Yeah, I mean... And, this I, is and so yes, I stole that line from the social network. Deal with it. It's like a full-time job, you know, being a jerk, you know? Man. There's, you know, there's already your, uh, there, there's already, already the Twitter account Medina's Ego, then maybe there should be Medina's Real Self, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah or and then you could, Medina. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. So, so anyone could get their own level of uh, Medina, you know, that they want. Oh my gosh. That's yeah, I, 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 I sometimes find I get too much Medina. <laughs> just from podcasting with you. Dude, like, I gotta be honest. Sometimes I get too much Medina. You know? Yeah. Trust me, if I were you, I'd get way too much Medina. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'd like smash every mirror in my house, you know? Yep. <laughs> yep, I understand. So, uh, 
on to shout outs as we're talking. Shouts to you. I'll go first. Richard, of course. Drew for listening. Uh, anybody who left a comment, you guys are awesome. Like, you know, we recognize, like, some people leave a comment every episode, every now or then, but, like, there's those that, like, leave one every single, um, episode, and you guys, uh, there's, there's, you know, no words for me to describe how, uh, happy it makes me to see, like, how many comments we get per week, and it, it makes me want to keep doing this, keep playing Legacy. <laughs> Gotta, um, and. Keep those dual lands, brother. Keep my dual lands. I'm not gonna sell them. Um, obviously I'm gonna be playing Stoneblade for a long time. I just had to like, move them, you know, eight cards from my standard deck after the ban into my legacy deck box, so that's all I had to do. And, Is that um, about the latest tech? To beat Merfolk, you just play the standard mana base instead of the legacy mana base? That way they can't <laughs> island walk you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, they're like, oh, nice Lord of Atlantis, bro. I got all these Seek from Coast. You <laughs> <laughs> still had all DDDs. <laughs> and uh, that's all my shoutouts for uh, this week, actually. So, right up. on to you guys. Uh, I'll go next. Actually, you know, we always shout out you guys who leave comments. We can give a shout out to all you guys listening who don't leave comments. No, we you know we appreciate you guys listening anyways. Even though obviously we'd like if you leave comments because it gives us good motivation to keep on going. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to all the guys at uh, Fast Fast this weekend who, by judging by how they were reacting to me and KYT bantering with each other, they uh, they're big listeners of of the cast. So shout out to you guys and uh, shout out to Drunk Davies who's going through a rough patch, but. Uh, You'll pull it through, don't worry. And uh, shout out to Frankie Richards for for hosting a cube on uh, on Friday. That was fun, even though it was kind of random and uh, and janky. But <laughs> I, I'm sure the second time I draft it will be more. It will make more sense. <laughs> I feel like right. that was like an insult within a compliment. You know, <laughs> I love the cube because I knew all the cards. Um, yeah, it was it was a uh, it was it was a hidden insult, John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just like you know you, you should you should put your your face in in bathrooms. Yeah, it's it's kind of <laughs> like it's kind of like eating a pastry with like a sardine in it. You know, <laughs> it's all sweet on the outside, and then you get to the dead fish, and you're like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> are you are you commenting on my amoeboy changeling? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the many cards I had a little bit of an issue with being in your cube, but hey. Because there's a lot of uh, tribal interaction, right? Yeah. I mean, so definitely, it's... like, Stoneforge Mystic finding uh, finding Rune Stalactite is definitely what you want to be doing in cube. <laughs> Rune Stalactite! <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome, man. Eh? <laughs> Cube oh, yeah. draft. <laughs> Anti shout out to what, whoever, whatever your name is, who left uh, left that comment. Who's like, yeah, in a battle with uh, Medina fighting an unarmed man. Like, okay, whatever. Think I'm stupid, I guess. You just called him like that, that's cool, bro. Cool, cool, cool story. <laughs> man, Frank, your shout outs are full of negativity, Alex. Shame okay. on you. <laughs> Whoa! Oh yes, yeah. shout out to Medina for actually being here this time. Fucking guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> was, is that positive enough for you? I like it. Yeah, it's positive. It actually was also an, a veiled insult. Yeah, I see that. Okay. High five. High five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, so uh, shout-outs to the guy that came out and played the uh, cube with uh, with us. That was uh, that was super cool. And, like, even if there's a few janky cards in there, like, uh, the final was between me. I was playing five-color control, uh, and I was playing against uh, Mono Black, which is uh, uh, also supported in the cube, and uh, he, he beat me in the finals. Uh and uh also like i want to like i've been i've been cubing a lot these days cuz like on monday uh one of my other friend he has a poker cube so we we played wow. that on monday and it was also uh it was also really good and i also lost in the finals of that one and uh, <laughs> life of a pro but, man life of a pro yeah but still i it was it was fun i was playing uh a blue white uh, aggro control deck with lots of evasion and uh like i had like the stone cold nuts for removal i had i had oblivion ring counter spell like i had like a few of the best like uh, removal you can find i had days like oh wow for the tempo play and Did you have ring a- is back at m12 guys yeah we know that yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but why did why did they ban Jace if they're like if like yeah for three weeks this format's gonna be terrible and then people are gonna have O Ring? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, all right, O Ring's back. Oh wait, you don't really need it anymore, do you? Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like yeah. Oh, and Stoneforge is getting banned. Oh, and for three weeks. Oh yeah, and then there's gonna be Grim Lava Monster. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyways, I, I I mean they're the ones running the company, so I assume there's method to their madness, but. Uh, yeah, M12 anyway, is pretty sweet. So yeah, go on, Frankie. Shoutouts to my my bo- my boys uh, from the Popper Cube also, and uh, sh- shoutouts to uh, Phil Sams and uh, Taylor NTG on uh, on Twitter, which uh, I think they've uh, they were saying racist things. Then we had this little discussion, and then like they they backed off a little bit. So like they've they've kind of toned down their assault on my culture. So at least uh, they've learned a little uh, bit there. Mm, <laughs> that's cool, man. How can you like go against any culture that is Frank as a part of it, guys? Come on, yeah. exactly, man. I think Put that's a bad knack. What the fuck? Oh man, this cast is just insane. It's crazy. Right. I love it. <laughs> it's uh, it's your turn, Jonathan. Oh, okay. Shoutouts. Hmm. I know I have to give a shout out to one dude. I told him I'd give him a shout out when I was trading with him like months ago, and then I didn't. And then he came up to the booth on Saturday. Oh boy. At Origins, and he's like, "Hey, Medina, how's it going?" And I'm like, "Hey, what's up, dude?" And I like recognize his face, and he's like. Yeah, I remember I was the guy who you were trading with and you were supposed to give a shout-out to and you didn't. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> and he's like, don't worry, man, I don't hold a grudge. <laughs> so Not even I, ancient grudge, man? He doesn't even hold an ancient grudge. Oh, man. So, um, 
So yeah, he uh, he actually he bought some stuff at the booth. He sold us some cards, and then uh, and then he said that he had an EDH deck that he was looking to build. You know that he was working on at the booth. And I told him, hey, come back and we'll play EDH on Saturday. So he came back. He drove like an hour and a half to come play EDH with us after, and he kind of hung out at the booth with us all day. And so like it was cool to hang out with this guy. Uh, his name is Ben Mapes. And uh, so I'm just giving you your official shout-out, Ben. You're cool people. I know that uh, hanging out with us for a night made you want to start dealing cards. But, uh, you know, you can't do that, bro. you got to be a player, <laughs> man. you got to be a player. <laughs> so shout-out to him. Uh, shout-out to uh, Crazy Talk. I think we've been doing awesome, even though I haven't been here. Uh, I enjoyed the Tom Ma episode. Shout-out to that guy. He seems like a cool dude. And uh, shout out to America. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys next week. King Hope. Take care.